It is another Sunday evening here, the last Sunday of February, coming to you here as we always are from our three separate locations. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever dependable co-host, first of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Good evening, everyone. And also Mr. Paul Griffin. We're doing a musical episode. Alarm goes off at seven and you start up town. You put in your eight hours for the powers that have always been. Sing a child till it's 5 p.m. No, you'll never make a monkey of me. <laughs> Out of me, you fucking mark. Whatever. Whatever. Um, you I don't want any damn vegetables. <gasps> what did you say? Anyway. Hello, everybody. And so I just felt like singing. I felt like singing. That's the kind of mood I'm in. Well, listen, we do whatever we want on this show. We don't care about quality. Um, that's <laughs> well, never that's been disrespectful. Con- What's we? We don't care about quality. That was. That's never fucking- been a concern ever in our in our. That was Tony Award caliber. In our Jesus, twelve <laughs> years of uh, of doing this. Well, um, you know, I just realized. You know, all we have to do, I think, for this show is we just need to do it for 17 years, right? And then we can make a parody cover art with us over the Astrodome in, in place of Rock and Austin, and then we can just yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'll be a good place to call it. Um, <laughs> I have had, like, secretly in the back of my mind, a little wish. Like, I, I would like to at least get up to the WrestleManias that I remember having watched as a kid. <laughs> for the album art. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, enough. that's fair enough. I think if we if we set that respectable goal, that means not not you know that means we all know what we're working towards. But also, we're giving everyone plenty of notice. Start finding other podcasts. Okay, yeah. you've got about five years, right? We're giving you five years notice. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> of this podcast, calling it a day. Uh, but you don't have to worry about that just yet because we are back with another edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. There's a Michelle cameo on the podcast. Don't pretend you don't see us, Michelle. Oh, She's no. gone. She didn't want to get involved. <laughs> oh, my God. That was tremendous. No, yeah, she just wanted to get the Hoover. I mean, I respect the dedication, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, we uh, we will soldier on here. We've got a, a loaded show to uh, chat to you all about. How has the week been, gentlemen? Who's been up to, who's been up to things? Who's been up and about? I am up and about earlier than normal because I'm now one of those people who goes to the gym real early in the morning before work. Ooh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Little, bit, little Miss Rise and Grind. Little Miss Bolitermana uh, for me, brother. <laughs> uh, hashtag do the work. Do the work. Uh, boots the asses. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, obviously I got a new job last year. Previous job, very uh, cushy in the sense that I was always finished at a set time. Hmm. Net new job, more money. Okay, don't mind. I don't mind getting more money, to be honest. That's a bit of a benefit, if anything. But it it is one of those jobs where you can be looking at the clock going, oh, five's coming up. And then you get a meeting request for like five to 6.30 and you just have to go. Um, which means that a lot of things like doing my little streams, uh, playing games and watching movies in general, uh, and especially going to the gym have all taken a hit because 
the gym that I go to, you have to book your slot in advance. Okay. Uh, you can, you're not allowed to just show up and go, right, I'm here for a clang and or a bang, please. No, you have to book in. Uh, this was off the back of COVID, but I, I guess they just figured out that as a system, it works for getting only a certain number of people in the gym at a time. Yeah, get people in and out. Which is fair. Um, but the way their bookings work uh, is, is like two-hour slots. So if you can book in at six, right? But if I book in at six, it means I need to be leaving here at like 5.15 because it's, it's a 30-minute walk. Uh, I usually like to do like 10 minutes on the bike before I do anything else. So I have to be, you know, finish work by five to get everything packed in the bag out the door, right? Um, if you can't make it for 6 p.m., the next available slot is 8 p.m. in the evening. Okay. At which point, if, I, if I'm working late to the point that I would need to go to the gym at 8 p.m., I'm basically giving up my entire day for work plus gym, get home, eat somewhere in between, go to bed. I'm, I'm giving up my, my free time that I you know like to... That, that's basically the only time I get to spend with uh, Natty because she works till 7 every day. So it would be nice to have time in the evening if we want to watch some Gilmore Girls or a movie or whatever. So the only option is to be going, getting up extra early in the morning and going to the gym at 8 a.m., which uh, I did once last week only because I, uh, my second day that I booked in, I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, and I said, I'm not going because <laughs> I didn't sleep. So I stayed in bed an extra two hours. Lovely. But uh, I went last Wednesday early in the morning and I made the mistake of thinking uh I'm going to wear my shorts to the gym like I do normally. Uh, and, of course, my legs are all cold because it was too cold that early in the morning. Because um, it, it is, I, I walk quite briskly. So I, if I'm walking in shorts, I'm keeping warm enough, you know? Yeah. Because, because of the speed I walk. But, uh, no, not, a, not, a, leggings. not at 7 a.m. of a... Uh, idea. Not at 7 a.m. of a February morning. My little, my little knees were, were knocking with the cold. The leggings will also encourage you to like not forget leg day or glute day. Yeah, you know, uh, work that out. Um, so I am going in the morning. I'm booked in for eight a.m. So I'll be up bright and early. I wear pants. I don't own any leggings, fortunately. I'll probably just wear a pair of jeans over my shorts. I'll take them off when I get there. Uh, but it's good. Uh, busier than I thought it was gonna be. Well, I had an expectation. It didn't occur to me. I just thought, well, I'll be the only one there and I'll, I'll have my pick of the machines. Uh, no, it was quite busy. But I was doing the old doing the old weight lifts and the old pushing the machines, doing all them bits that they do at the gym. Uh, mate, uh, what good experts I am. No, it was good. It was good. And uh, it, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it does get you all you know, energized up for the day. Uh, to follow. I did find myself a bit more productive at work because I wasn't just, you know, rolling out of bed at 9.29, starting work at 9.30. Uh, never do you that. Know? Never do that. Old. I've been doing that for since the pandemic began. Oh, that's a horrible way to live your life. That is a terrible way. What do you eat for breakfast, man? <laughs> Barry, breakfast time is sleep time. That's that's time you can be spent oh, asleep. God, yes. you are just yeah. a giant Snorlax, aren't you? I mean, it's just... <laughs> I... That, I mean, ever since when I was living in um, in Rohini, 
I used to be up at 5.55 in the morning for work every day. So I've learned to appreciate every possible moment you have in bed and not waste that on trivial things like having breakfast. Or getting dressed. <laughs> getting dressed. Yeah. Absolutely true. Um, it, it's quite common the first hour of work that I have not a jot of clothes on me. Um Unless there's a video call or something, then I might get dressed. I might get dressed. If That's good of you. That's good of you. Yeah, just the t-shirt. Just sleep. <laughs> just sleep in the same t-shirt or working saves at least two minutes. <laughs> Paul just showing up to work at a video call wearing just like a pillowcase. <laughs> He's forced his head through the uh, other end. I mean, no, but this is the next thing, right? Because you know, for your video calls, whether you use Zoom or Skype, Microsoft Teams, whatever, the new thing is like the the uh, digitized in backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about clothes? That's the new thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. They pop a You're going to be walking you. around looking like a Snapchat filter. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so going to the gym early is my thing so that I can have some semblance of a life outside of work. And that's my week. All right. Sounds, anyway, you, Joe? Sounds good. Um, not too, not too eventful during the week. We had a, a fun day yesterday. So I bought I bought Michelle theatre tickets for her birthday in January. Uh, mm. We wanted to leave it a little while with COVID, give it a month to hopefully let that calm down. don't think it really did, but fuck it, we went anyway. Um, so we went to see a, a little musical called Come From Away, um, which is all about a tiny little island uh, off the coast of Canada, a little place called Newfoundland. Mm. Um, which I kind of heard of. I couldn't re- honestly sort of find it on a map or anything, but I was sort of familiar with it. Um, but what happened during when 9-11 happened, all the planes, all the air traffic got grounded. So any planes that couldn't land in the US had to get, were sent to Newfoundland, uh, to this very small island. Um, so it's about all of the people that got sent to this island um, for like a week during our uh, following 9 11 uh, and it ha- so happened because back in the days of kind of pre-jet travel they they had an airport on newfoundland it's where planes would stop to refuel before going to getting on to new york la wherever they were going mm. so they had this massive airport that they've had since the 50s or whatever that's not obviously used that much anymore um but that's why they they sent a lot of planes there so it's a very kind of funny musical about um the very sort of odd locals uh, that live in this island um who seem to be a kind of mixture of scottish irish and canadian um mm. <laughs> i guess there's, there was the accents are all very irish i don't know if that's just like the actors were trying to do the accent right. and it came across as irish but yeah, they were sounding very sort of irish or scottish um but with a lot of canadian references so it was it was very funny um there isn't like a great kind of plot to it it's it's very much an ensemble piece so it's all these kind of strangers arriving in the town and being brought in by the locals and kind of, you know, the, the panic and the worry of no one really knowing what was going on with 9-11 and they're all trying to get in touch with their family and no one's got a mobile phone because it's 2001 and, right. you know, they're trying to watch, just glean what they can from cable news. So, yeah, it was a very, very fun time. Um, I don't really remember any of the songs, if I'm honest. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't that memorable, but they were kind of like, just fun, fun songs. It was, it was, it was a good time. But I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. It has been a v- quite a big hit, uh, as I understand. I'm a bit surprised because it doesn't have that kind of uh, compelling sort of 
two character like love story or whatever at the, at the right. heart of it it's kind of just quite a fun sort of silly silly uh, musical but yeah um it was fun it was it was very very good um so i'd give it a th- if you're a musical fan you probably already know about it i would want to see it but and if you're not i probably wouldn't pick it as the one musical you're gonna see in your life <laughs> like, probably right. others that'd be better but yeah it was it was it was fun it was fun um but before we went there we went to i think i mentioned a few weeks ago we went to a a gallery um, in London where to see a, a particular installation, uh, the Infinity Rooms uh, by a Japanese artist, uh, one of which was broken when we went before. So we got complimentary tickets, uh, went back uh, the morning before we went to the musical. And thankfully they were both working this time. So we went into both installations. Essentially what it is, these Infinity Rooms, it's a, it's a room kind of made up of mirrors. So you go in and you kind of see infinite mm version it's like a bit of like a funhouse mirror essentially you see kind of infinite versions of yourself but there's also kind of lights and other things in there which create this very kind of strange surreal um little room that you're in with these other people and you can just see thousands of versions of yourself and of them and of of light of the installations that are in the in the room as well so yeah it was really really good we we got to see the other room um so you kind of walk in and there's a little path that, that goes through this room, mirrors on all sides. And there's a kind of pool of water sort of surrounding the walkway as well. And when you go in, they say, you know, be careful, just stick to the main path. Uh, there's water on all sides. I was like, yeah, yeah, fine, fine, fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you go in and there's all these kind of flashing colored lights. And at some points the lights completely go off as well. It's quite disorientating. So, but anyway, it was, it was really, really cool. We weren't in there for very long. Um, but yeah, I was, I was getting a bit, it was getting a bit trippy. I was kind of enjoying it. And then just before we were about to leave, I thought I'm going to like turn around very quickly and see if like what it, what it kind of looks like. And then I did that and I stepped back right into the big pool of water oh. on the side and splashed water everywhere. Um, yeah. So that was very, uh, and everyone saw it 10 million times on all the mirrors. A million different versions. I didn't, of it. They didn't know which, which version was me. <laughs> which one do I shoot? Which one's the real one? <laughs> Um, luckily there's only ever two, they only let like three, three or four people in at a time. So it wasn't too embarrassing, but yeah, we got out and just left. And so I just walked around with wet shoes for about an hour. Um, millions of dollars worth of art installation soaked into my, uh, my socks, and my shoes for the rest of the afternoon. Um, but yeah, other than that, that was really good. And, um, the other thing we did, uh, for lunch before we went to the musical we went to there's a new korean corn dog place in london now, i didn't Ooh. know corn dogs were a big thing in in korea that's something i've I learned recently and um, they have their kind of own their own take on on the corn dog so it's called bunsik uh, and it's a it was very popular there was a big queue outside it was a saturday afternoon near leicester square in london so as you can imagine it was it was packed um big queue but it didn't take too long to get through and uh, yeah we got a lovely little uh, Lovely little hot dog. I got the original, the original corn dog, okay. and um, I think Michelle got the beef version, um, which is very, very nice. We also got some little rice cakes in in a hot Korean hot sauce, which is oh. quite nice. Very chewy, very chewy. These rice cakes, it's like, mm. but um, <laughs> yeah, bunsik, very, very tasty corn dogs. So anyone, anyone likes a bit, anyone who likes a bit of Korean food would definitely recommend uh, checking that out. I'm sure they're going to spread like wildfire now. They've opened a couple and. Yeah, I like London. I like a bit of uh, Korean sauces and dolphins. I have never had a corn dog, and they fascinate me. I would love to try one. Have you ever had a battered sausage? Because yes. I'll be honest, it's very it's 
Not my, a million miles away. Except okay. it's like a hot dog instead of a sausage. Okay, so worse meat in the middle. Okay, good. It's, it's yeah. like a Savaloy, but yeah. worse. Yeah. And then just a much thicker kind of batter. Like okay. Kind of I, I, I would like to give that a go. And yeah. with, the, with the right sauce, certainly, that sounds great. Yes, mm. yes. And it's on a stick. That's obviously the advantage. Yeah. They should call it bun stick in that case. I know, really. Um, I'd, I can't see a battered sausage on a stick. Um, ironically, we had fish and chips today, and I did have a bad sausage, so I had kind of the Korean and the English. Uh, You've run the gamut, yeah, the international in yeah. Um, uh, sausage batter buffet. Battered sausage buffet. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was a good good weekend. Lots of uh, delights. Uh, yeah, I, I had a similar uh, treat-filled weekend. Absolutely stuffed my mother effing face. Ooh. Uh, as we love to do, went up and dub to Dublin for the weekend with the missus, myself and Brona. One thing, as much as I might grouse about Dublin, and Jesus Christ, Dublin was extremely annoying this weekend. Just <laughs> absolute shithole, overstuffed, fucking seven quid pint. <laughs> seven quid pint. I nearly, I genuinely knew, if I had taken a sip of it before I saw that price, I would have done a spit take. It was fucking outrageous. Um, but we did go up and we did we did uh, hit some of my my favorite eateries that Brona had not yet been to. Uh, I'm not sure if I talked about it too much in the podcast. We went to uh, Shimak, uh, which is also oh, yeah. Korean Korean infusion kind of uh, uh, place uh, with uh, a lot of chicken dishes. Um, we both got burgers. The one I got was with some kind of Korean barbecue. Uh, red slaw thing on it, a really big, massive, gorgeous chicken breast, crispy, oh, so good, really great chips. And I, they do a variety of dips, and I didn't know what to really get because they were all of them. It was not your, you know, ketchup, you know, it was like, do you want which one of our fancy, lovely Korean sauces would you like? And I said, I'll have the Korean hot sauce, please. I was like, how hot can it be? Well, it's very fucking hot. Um, and I did, I did leave uh, that place with a beautiful, perfect circle of Korean uh, sauce on my white shirt that I was wearing before going uh, to a concert that evening, which is great. Uh, uh, Love that. Uh, and then also uh, uh, on Sunday, we went to Token, which of course we've talked about a lot on this podcast already. Still fantastic. Brona enjoyed it. It was uh, her first time. One thing I will say, um, I was a little bit, little bit seedy on Sunday, a little bit, little bit unwell on the old tummy department, a little bit dehydrated. Um, and token is really delicious, but it's also like a lot. It's not a little nibble. Uh, so I got my the, my two favorite things I like to get there. I got bacon jam fries, which is bacon jam fries and parmesan and like some other kind of cheese. I think is in there. And um, they're buffalo tenders, which are big, thick, crispy tenders with buffalo sauce mm. and some kind of like, I think, garlicky kind of mayo under the buffalo as well. So, so good. Top quality stuff. I constantly say it. It's like token. You'll get over the novelty of the arcade machines. The food is fantastic. That's why you go back. But that was a little bit more than my little delicate little tummy could handle uh, uh, of a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Barry's delicate tummy. My little delicate man who, tom man who drinks fruit punch monster for breakfast. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, even my my even my fruit punch monster I used to try and recover from my hangover was not going down very well. Uh, so it was one of those ones where it was certainly tasty, but I was like, this is not a place to come hangover hungover because it's so intense. The food yeah. is so rich and 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 uh, uh, yeah. and all that. But um, but yeah, no, it's always it's always great. That is one thing about Dublin; it's a fantastic. Uh, 
uh, eatery. Uh, eateries everywhere you look. Great place to eat. Uh, we went up for a concert. We went to see a, a, a Limerick rapper. I think I've mentioned her on the show before, Denise Chyla. She was playing yeah. the Olympia, the three Olympia, I guess. Uh, I got to go before they paint it. Uh, uh, it's quite uh, well known in Ireland. It's got this very kind of beautiful, uh, old-timey, outdoor red framing. Uh, and the phone company, three, have bought it, and they have to paint it grey because their branding is grey. So it has to be mm. fucking grey. Uh, that's what Dublin needs more, baby. More hideous grey shop fronts. Just get a, <laughs> what's this? A little bit of old character. No, no, no. Get that out of here. Let's get some post-modern shit all over the front of our iconic locations. Love that. Uh, but the building itself is really cool. Really, really, really cool. Uh, venue, uh, uh, you know, very happy that I got to go there because it is a, like a legendary building with all kinds of. They've got like photos all over the walls of all the every great musical act you could think of has been there, uh, and it was lovely. Yeah, really great, and the gig was tremendous. Uh, I, I would absolutely love to see uh, uh, Denise Chyla live again. Tremendous stage performance and, and, and great crowd as well. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the weekend. Uh, lots of great food, too much alcohol. Um, I had a little treat food-wise myself. This new uh, new Japanese place opened down the road called Mako Donald Ru. Nice. I was like, I actually bought it for a second. I was like, what's this gonna be? Oh god! They, do, they did some. They did a a good. Uh, I think they called it a double quarter pounder. <laughs> Man, a McFlurry. Hello. Oh, god. got that delivered. They do deliveries as well. It's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh why did i believe that furious at myself furious. although I, I i was i was very angry at myself i forgot to get mozzarella sticks for natty that she asked for i felt very bad Ooh. um but i was ordering for three people so i was <laughs> i was all confused i didn't know what i was doing, coming or going um anyway we'll move on we'll move on um, to our goofs our goofs so i've listened to lots of music lads as Go i tend on. to do Loads of music, so I'll get I'll get the old the oldies out of the way first before I get to the uh, the twenty twenty two release. Uh, I'm on to Beatles album number four, Beatles for Sale, okay. which is what I consider to be the album where you first get glimpses of what the Beatles would go on to become, aka uh, good. <laughs> um, like the first few albums are fine, but they're very just run of the mill skiffle band, you know indistinguishable from from other bands at the time this is the first one where and i think specifically the song uh eight days a week is is the song where you can kind of pinpoint right this is the first of the beatles being the beatles um so overall i think overall i think it's good it's certainly the best of the first four albums still overall a bit a bit uh eh, but certainly some good stuff on there uh, as far as my ghost re-listening, I listened to all of the EPs. I, I still have three albums to go uh, in anticipation of their new album coming out in two weeks' time. Mm. Uh, but I listened to their EPs, If You Have Ghosts, Pope Star, and Seven Inches of Satanic Panic, uh, which are all very good. Most Mostly covers, though. They, uh, if You Have Ghosts is entirely covers and was produced by... Uh, Hollywood star of new movie Studio 666 Dave <laughs> Grohl Oh, that, Grohl. Looks, that looks like a great a day out seeing that film <laughs> The Foo Fighters film I don't think I will um, 
And then Pope Star is also covers, but notably fe- uh, is uh, the record on which Square Hammer of, uh, originally appeared. Uh, and then Seven Inches of Satanic Panic is their 70s throwback EP. Uh, they're all very good in their own way. Yeah, I quite enjoyed listening to them. But now I've listened to all the B-sides. I've listened to all the EPs. Now I just need to listen to the first three albums and I'll be all caught up. So reviews of those will be coming over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but notably, as far as new albums go, I listened to Eddie Vedder's new album. Go Eddie on. Vedder of the singer of Pearl Jam fame. Yeah. Uh, he's got a new one out called Earthling. Uh, I thought it was really good. It's um, I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan. I'm not a huge Eddie Vedder fan. I, I quite like uh, 10, which is Pearl Jam's most famous record. The one that has uh, Even Flow and Alive and Jeremy and uh, Black. They're all on that same album. Like It, it, it is... It is best of Pearl Jam. It's the one album that all their best songs are on. Um, but I thought this was uh, this was very very different because Pearl Jam, because of their, they were a grunge band, uh, they suffer, well, suffer for want of a better phrase, but the fact that grunge was at its core a very emo, like pre-emo thematically, like very heavy, like I'm so fucking miserable. <laughs> you know? Um, this is a lot more fun, a lot airier, um, a lot more upbeat. Features some interesting uh, cameos. I wouldn't even call them features. Just some e- interesting appearances, like uh, Ringo Starr plays the drums on one of the tracks. Uh, Stevie Wonder plays the harmonica on one of the tracks. Okay. Um, Elton John uh, features on one of the tracks. Uh, the the studio band who play the instrumentation feature Red Hot Chili Peppers drum. Uh, I was going to say drumist, the drum player uh, Chad Smith and former guitarist Josh Klinghoffer. So it's got a lot of uh, names you might recognize on it. And I thought it was a, a good, upbeat, modern feeling rock album that wasn't kind of weighed down by. The, uh, the emotional undertones that Pearl Jam's music is maybe more known for. It still has a bit of Eddie Vedder, I'm singing like this, because I made a Vedder. But uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was really good. I mean, I really why stop it. now? You know. No. <laughs> so I, I give Earthling a thumbs up. Excellent. Very much enjoyed. And that was the uh, album Guff. With a yes. We will move on here to the telly golf. I haven't really been watching much telly this week myself. Uh, I think I might forget something. No, I don't think so. What about you boys? What are you watching this week? Uh, not too much on the TV. Um, watched the new episode of Severance, which, again, I know I reviewed it last week, but I have to say, best show that Apple TV have done. Probably okay. One oh, of the most yes. enjoyable shows on at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's it's really really interesting, and I'm very intrigued to see where it's going. It's quite slow burn. Uh, mm. A few episodes in, they're giving away too much, but you're getting a little bit, a little bit more each time. Yeah, um, definitely definitely hooked. Um, and Adam Scott is really really good. So yeah, if you're not on the Severance train, either get Apple TV Plus or download it from somewhere. From <laughs> <laughs> I am thinking I I'll have to. You can do the free trial. Maybe wait yeah, until it's all I'd, out, and yeah, that's my that's maybe what I what I'll do because I I feel like there's two or three shows on at the moment that mm. you know I don't really often have 
FOMO, but at the same time, it's nice to have, like with the albums, it's nice to have something modern, something of today, yeah. whether it's Severance or um, there's another one that I heard about. What was it called? After, not after, after life, party, but after, after party. party. After the Certainly not afterlife. That would be good. <laughs> um, Excuse me, love. Uh, uh, could I just uh, get a little top up on, on my tea? Uh, no, you fucking can't, fucker. What, what's all that about? I'm just. I'm. What can people just be nice? That's afterlife. <laughs> oh, we wipes oh, dead. dead. Oh, oh, we wipes fucking dead. Oh. <laughs> Uh, um so yeah we I, like you know with our watching we're obviously on the final season of lost that's going to open up a big old space for something else to slot into uh we did get very briefly back on the gilmore girls train as well <gasps> yeah a bit of gilmore girls but i have some shocking news about gilmore girls they've cancelled it tristan has been sent to military school which one is tristan Tristan is the real, just is, is a cunt, basically. Well, that must real, be why. That must be why. Mean boy oh, calls yeah. calls her Mary for no reason. He's got that's know, um. What's his name? What's the real guy? It's oh, I know. He's an early two thousands. Uh, yeah, he's got a triple. He's got a triple name. He's one of them. Uh, H, um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Chad Michael Murray. Chad three, oh, three names. CMM. Yeah. Yeah. Chad. And. uh I don't know. I, I was I, apparently he had to go do some other show he was on or something, so they had to write him off, which is unfortunate because for the first season, certainly he was one of the bigger characters of the show. Mm. Apparently, that's that's it for him for the, for the time being, certainly. Um, which uh, that character was really annoying, so I don't really mind that he's gone. He wound me up every time he was on the screen. Oh, he was an annoying boy. Oh God, I'm just looking at his uh, filmography. And he's been in two of these um, geezer teaser uh, um, Bruce Willis <laughs> films. He's in Survive oh, the Night and Survive the Game. Oh, please survive. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but Gilmore Girls continues to otherwise be very good. Um, and then, finally, I just want to make reference of Discovery Plus, which I signed up to to watch the Winter Olympics. Uh, oh, yeah. With Natty. Uh, all the Winter Olympics stuff has just been taken off it all of a sudden. Why? What's that about? I didn't realize there was a date you had to watch it by before they yanked it down. That's annoying. Fuckers. That's annoying. That, it kinda, uh, that, that just sounds almost akin to like now TV, the now where TV, they're like. Exactly. Splitting the difference between an on-demand service, but also kind of without saying it, it's like well, we're actually kind of a catch-up service. So if yeah. you don't watch it within a week of it airing live, it's gone. It's very annoying. It's very. Annoying. I didn't know because all the times we had watched it, it still had going back to the very beginning all those videos available. So one of the days during the week, ironically, we ended up watching Gilmore Girls instead, so it was fine. But we went to watch the figure skating. Uh, it's just it's not there anymore. The, all, the whole Olympic section just gone. That's so odd, yeah. and it's not one of those apps. I assume that gives you the time left. I assume it doesn't give it. Doesn't yeah. Tell you that. yeah, yeah, it does. does it? Yeah. So it, there was no, no, no warning. You mean for like how long it's how long be it's on left? Yeah, no, yeah. There were no indication that if I didn't watch it, it would be taken away. That's very annoying. Very very annoying. Um, so you know, we watched plenty of hours of figure skating, but we didn't finish it critically. So I don't know who did the murder, who and I'll never find out. Um, 
so that was a thing. So I'll cancel my Discovery Plus. I actually haven't done it yet for some reason. I'm still holding out hope that, oh, it'll just reappear. I just went to the wrong place to look for it. But I don't I think. Is there anything else worth watching on there? No, not at all, baby. Okay. Do you like reality shows about Hitler on the Titanic? Because uh, I got mean, lots of those. You know. <laughs> or Hitler on the Titanic. Maybe That's what I was going to say. It. If they could do some kind of what-if scenarios, that would be interesting. <laughs> they could do some uh, Sharknado-style Titaner. Uh, um, although, with like, the way those... With, the boat in the world, as well as a fascist dictator. Yeah, with the way those timelines align, that would, it wouldn't quite be baby Hitler, but they'd be young enough that they could still get to him before he did anything wrong, yeah. I would say. Well, what, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a time traveler, though, as well. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He's, he's sunk the Titanic, is actually what yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll look into this and, and we'll pitch it later. Yeah. Um, that was Teddy Go. We will segue over to the movie golf. Yes. Uh, it's awesome movies this week. Tell us uh, about Went to the theater as we want to do for Monday evening. Le Théâtre. Uh, it was, um, I don't know if this was, uh, I think this was just because of uh, reduced restrictions here in Ireland or what the case was, but uh, for this particular theatrical showing, they had a little bit of a wine reception downstairs. So we oh, can, very uh, nice. Uh, neck a little bit of vino, eat a cracker. Uh, yes, I'm just here to see Mr. Brunard's latest. Yes, oh, it's quite good, isn't it? Yes, oh, oh the troubles, what? Oh, off of business. Yes, oh, cheers to yourselves. Um, uh, yeah, so that was quite nice. Uh, yeah, and we did, in fact, see Belfast, uh, the new Kenneth Branagh film, and I thought it was quite good. Um, I think it's it would be very fair. Well, first of all, I think it would be very fair to say it's over, overly simplified. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I think it would also be fair to say it is a little bit maudlin. Um, it is a little bit... Um, uh, I think maudlin's probably the best word. It's kind of, you kind of get the tone um, very early on, and they do lay it on quite thick, where it's like, so they open with a montage of Belfast as it is today, and they transition back to the 60s. and then <laughs> Some stock footage from it's, yeah, it's like Ireland.ie or something. Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh logged on to Getty and, and got <laughs> some MP4s of Belfast. Uh, he's nice enough to pay and get the watermark off at least. Yeah. Um, uh, and then it transitions to, to 1960s and it's kind of like this fun mata- montage of mams sticking out of the door going, your dinner's ready, blah, blah, kids playing ball in the street, blah, blah, blah. And then like, uh, it, it, it's all very funny and lighthearted and then it immediately switches on a, on a dime to like sectarian violence breaks out on the street or a riot is, is induced Ooh. basically. And that's kind of the, it is a little bit simplistic. It is a little bit kind of, um, uh, uh, kind of painting with very broad strokes. It is, it, it is not dissimilar to something. Uh, and I liked, I liked Belfast a whole lot. So this is going to sound like more of an insult than I mean it. It's like a more, it's like a better executed version of your afterlifes of the world where it's a little bit cheap, and it's a little, it's not the most sophisticated or, or, or nuanced uh, uh, fusion of, of the, the grim, depressing subject matter and the, the happiness that was still born in that place. Mm. Um, but I can definitely see how to some, how some, because I do, I, I know some people who did not like it and thought it was, you know, uh, it, it was laying things on a bit too thick, but I did think it was really, really good. I thought the performances were fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, up and down the cast, and I think, Paul, as you pointed out, the, the, the child actors at the center of it really really great, great. really really fantastic um, joe towner's uh, in australia uh, and that's that, that 
that did stick out to me. I did find that amusing. <laughs> uh, I thought the grandparents were fantastic. Um, oh yeah, uh, and even think, though Judy's Dench's accent was a bit over the place, she was still good. Then she was still she was still good. And like I said, I think I can totally see how someone would think it is too maudlin and not enjoy it. But I think for me, the performances largely elevated it, maybe a little bit higher than the actual script was, was worth in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I I did think it was very very good. Um, uh, I well, who, who's that the actor who's the granddad? He was also in Game of Thrones. He's in Kieran Hines. Yeah, he was fantastic. He was really really great. Um, yeah, so really, really good. Uh, Jamie Dornan, one of his best. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, really, really great performance from him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, uh, if you uh, if you don't mind a little bit of cheese, say, yeah. you don't mind. I just I, I just feel like if the violence, I understand it's from like the viewpoint of the children, but I just wish that that those scenes were given a bit more of an edge to them to balance the film a bit better sure especially the final confrontation i won't say anything more than that but like it's a bit light <laughs> it's very light <laughs> yeah uh, i was because it was quite i was quite tense when that scene happened and then yeah. when it ended i was like oh yeah. okay uh, it, it almost felt like he didn't really want to get anything higher than the age rating they got in an odd way um yeah. i guess probably because and i wouldn't be surprised if it does become something of a i want this to be a film Kids can study for the leaving cert or some shit like that, like you know, right, I, which, sure. which I which I don't think would be infeasible. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so good, you know, definitely worth seeing. Uh, but don't expect to you know, learn anything, especially deep about the troubles. Um, certainly not. Uh, speaking of not learning anything deep, uh, when we got home yesterday, we did uh, curl up in a ball and, and in search for something easy to, to watch. We did rewatch. This is the end. Uh, yes, which is still a, still a great laugh. Um, uh, a bit like watching sort of a Brit rest match from four years ago. It's nice that you can make a little log of all the cancelled people uh, <laughs> yeah. and all the sex criminals um, in, in film, which is good. I was about halfway through. I was wondering, Jesus, I wonder is Louis C.K. going to show up halfway through this? He didn't. Uh, uh, but um, but uh, you know, we got our we got our we got our, our Franco in a central role and all that. Um, uh, most notably, but yeah, very funny, very very funny. Uh, Jonah Hill is so great; he's so great in that movie, uh, and, and the whole cast is really good. Yeah, very very easy watch. Um, uh, exactly what what I needed. Um, but yeah, that's it for um, uh, the films. Me, I think we're going to go to the the, the theater again tomorrow. Um, that new Penelope Cruz movie is showing. Parallel Mothers. Parallel Mothers. Uh, they showed a trailer before Belfast. It looked quite good. So we. Yeah, I'll be checking that. that out for the Oscars as well. Oh, is that is that nominated for the Oscars? Very good. Yeah, I think it's one of the screenplays or one of the, maybe best actor. Lovely. Or actress, yeah. I should say. We'll check that out. Speaking of, uh, I haven't watched five this week. I've only watched the, the two Oscar movies. Um, I don't remember if I talked about last week, by the way, that I watched all the Big Brother films, the precursor to Jackass. Uh, no, no, you did not. No. I don't think I wa- you mentioned I that you had gotten. I'd gotten them when I was going to yeah, watch them. And after yeah. you said that, I did go and find that Google Drive, and now I have it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I must say I didn't care for the Big Brother videos really at okay. all. No, I thought they were poor. Um, they're they're a little too. Well, first of all, they're very skateboard centric because Big Brother Big Brother was obviously a skateboard magazine first and foremost. Um, but yeah, I just thought there wasn't enough jackassy content to really even bother watching through and what i would just recommend is just look up like a youtube compilation right and notably i think it's in the second one is where knoxville shows up for the first time and does the riot 
vest thing or and actually shoots himself with a gun as part of that which was cut out of the jackass version um but no i don't know the, the, the rest of it is a bit too fucking what's the word like cocaine fueled all over the place <laughs> the editing is nice i guess the editing is like that kind of you know early 2000s guerrilla editing but I, I didn't get much from it, to be honest. Anyway, speaking of the Oscar movies, I've watched two more movies this week, leaving myself uh, 12 films to watch over the next one month. Give me three a week, and I'll be all caught up. Uh, first of all, I watched on Disney+, Plus uh, Pixar's latest, Luca, which uh, is not about mermaids exactly, Joe. It's about sea monsters. Um, and it's it's. I'm gonna come straight out and say it. I'm gonna make a very controversial. Well, not very. I don't want to overhype what I'm gonna say. It's not the best Pixar film that's ever made, but I will say I think it's the best Pixar film since Coco. Ooh. Uh, so anything that's come out p- post Coco, I think yeah. this is better. I, th- I certainly think it's better than Soul. Um, oh, yeah, I, th- I didn't really care for Soul. Nah. I thought Soul was okay. Uh, I haven't seen Onward yet, I must say. So I, I do have a glaring omission in my, in my thing. It's certainly better than Toy Story 4. Um, not as good as Coco, I will say. Coco, I, I still oh, hold no. up as being one of the best ones. But Absolutely. I was surprised by how much I did enjoy Luca. Uh, Luca, just to give you a brief summary, is about uh, the eponymous sea monster who... Uh, like in a lot of Pixar or Disney films, wants more from his life. He's got a very simple life. He's, he lives in this one little area with his parents, very isolated from the rest of the world. He's got bigger dreams. He wants to go to the surface, a little, a little bit like Little Mermaid, to be fair. Mm. Go to the surface and, and you know see what's up there. The, the sea monsters who live under the sea have very um, strict opinions on the, the land monsters, they call them ironically. Mm. Um, but on one adventure... Uh, Luca meets up with another sea monster and goes above the surface. Uh, and he finds that, well, initially, gr- the grass seems to be greener on the other side. Uh, however, you know, will the other people he meets on his adventure be so kind to him as a sea monster? Aha! Well, this is the trick. Uh. is because when these sea monsters go above land, they turn into human beings. Uh, their physiology changes until they go back into the water. If they get yeah. wet like a gremlin, they turn back into a sea monster. Like so, Daryl Hannah in Splash. Like Daryl Hannah in Splash, very much so. Though you, you don't see any of the sea monsters' arses in this film. Oh, uh, they covered it up with hair. Covered up with digital hair. Um, so you do have this ticking clock time bomb situation where they're living among people, living, they're, they're on their adventure among people, but if they get wet, it's going to be disastrous. So anyway, um, the film has, despite the fact that I've been so positive about it, because I do think generally it's great, it does share a few issues with Encanto, one of, being, uh, one of which being that the film wraps up a little bit too quickly, uh, and a little bit, in, a little bit unsatisfyingly so, Um where it doesn't really go enough, far enough to explain away the the revelations that are made at the very end. Uh, but nevertheless, I still very much enjoyed it. I like that it's core, the the message it was putting across. I know when it came out, there was um, a lot of discussion about whether this film was like allegorical for um, 
the LGBT community uh, and things of that nature. Because, you know, one of the most prevalent themes of the film is hiding who you are to be accepted by by others who, mm. you know, uh, it's set in this uh, coastal Italian town. And the, basically the identity of that town seems to be we fucking hate and kill sea monsters <laughs> for no reason other than they are sea monsters. So that's that seems to be a, a pretty prevalent message. Um, but I think the way the film tackles it is in a, in more of a general sense than it being specifically, mm. uh, you know, allegorical for any one issue. But I do think that certainly you can watch it and see parallels uh, from how any uh, specific group of people are marginalized or are discriminated against. You can certainly read that into that into this film. But I really, really, really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Not that I, you know, it's Pixar. It's always going to hit a certain benchmark of quality. But I, I guess because I was a little bit let down by Soul, that I was expecting something slightly lesser. But I, I actually thought it was really great. Uh, and then I watched a Japanese movie called Drive My Car, which is nominated for yes. this picture. I've heard um, a lot of good things. So I will uh, agree with those things that I you have heard. <laughs> I don't know what they are, but uh, I thought it was great. I will say, though, and this is an interesting discussion uh, point based on what we've said historically, is that how long is it for a film to be considered too long? Because Drive My Car is two hours, 59 minutes long. Mm. And I got to say, watching it, I had no issue with how long it was. So, you know, obviously we have made points before, especially as it pertains to like Marvel films of saying this is too long, that's too long. But like, is there a length at which a film becomes too long or is it just more to do with how much it holds your attention, how compelling the film is, the, uh, the pace of the film? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you can do three hours if you got the it's like it's like a, you know, a one hour long wrestling match, though. You got her. You, you gotta, gotta have the right yourself. people to do you it. gotta have the right people you gotta pace yourself you know what i mean yeah. sure um nothing i feel like a lot of the marvel movies the problem is they're just bloated they feel bloated it's not that it's a good three hours it's like a, and then we've got to go to wakanda for half an hour to introduce martin freeman and <laughs> works for unesco or whatever i don't know it's yeah. that kind of thing it's <laughs> like, uh, God, just get me back to whatever. And, yeah. yeah. But did you mean what you said on Clara's scop when we were looking for the Glimbor? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just at risk of sounding like a hypocrite uh, and having given out about the length of films before, I had no problem with the length of Drive My Car. Um, it's not such an easy film to summarize what even what it's about because it's quite complex in terms of how deals with the the interpersonal relationships of the characters but to really simplify it it's like the main character is a somewhat aging although i'd say he's at most maybe in his late 40s uh aging like a theater actor who's moving now into directing he has a he's married to a woman who works in tv writing and production and there's hints that there's some issues underlying issues with their relationship and one thing leads to another, and he gets involved in a uh, production that's happening in a far-off city. So he goes to work there. 
um, with uh, a young up and coming TV star who was involved in the production that his wife had been involved in. Um, and there's some clashes there. Uh, but at its core, what the film is about is that he he's told when he arrives that he's not allowed to drive his own car because in case he's involved in an accident that could impact the uh, production. So he has to have a driver provided for him. And the driver is this 20-something woman who has her, her own mysterious backstory. And so the film is... It is, like, slow. It, it's not slow in the sense that it feels bloated or... Um, like laborious to get through, but it's definitely is not a twist and turn kind of film. It's more yeah. the twist and turns are more as you know stuff about these characters' backstories are revealed uh, that inform you then why the way they interact is the way that they interact. Uh, but I thought it was really good, and it's one of those films that has two scenes. Now I didn't ultimately give it a ten out of ten, but it has two scenes uh, that I I would consider as being like film defining scenes um i would liken them somewhat although in in a much less kind of sci-fi way i would liken it to you know when you're watching get out and you say yeah this film is really great and then there's the sunken place scene and you go oh hang on now we're, we're dealing with something bigger here than than just a really great movie this film's got two scenes where i was like okay i was really enjoying this uh, but now i'm really fucking enjoying this because that scene was incredible it's got two scenes like that uh, and because it's three hours long, at least it means that it kind of spits the difference. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, and definitely underlined, definitely the best of the Oscar films I've watched so far. Uh, and certainly the longest. So that's Luca and Drive My Car, both recommended. Lovely. Nice, nice. What about you, Joe? Um, just a couple of films. I finally got around to watching uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh, yeah. The um, film with, uh, oh, God, what's the name? Well, I can't remember people's names anymore. I've got to that age. John C. Riley is in that, right? John C. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't call it a John C. Riley film. <laughs> Walk hard. I'd love to see the poster, but with John C. Riley. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tilda Swinton and Ezra Miller, of course, would not be The Flash. Um, so it was based on a novel. It's about a child or a woman that has a child who has very kind of something not quite right, quite malignant, evil, sociopathic nature to, to the child. Um, and you kind of see flash flash forwards throughout the film to uh, something terrible that's happened, but it's not quite revealed what has happened. Um, but mainly it tells the story of... Tilda Swinton and John C. Riley raising this child who's a demon or he's, he's not an outright demon, but he, 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 the way he interacts with Tilda Swinton is there's something not quite right. There's a very strange relationship, even from when he's a young baby, he's constantly crying with her. And then when someone else picks him up, he, he stops crying. And it kind of explores the relationship between the sort of mother and a son who maybe she didn't want who, or whom the kind of, relationship is is always strange but then i guess the kind of continuation of the love between the two of them in spite of that as well so yeah it's really really kind of slightly fucked up but very kind of watchable and interesting film um very kind of visual and yeah really really great performance as well i thought ezra miller's was, was really really good and um yeah, not too much to add to it. I mean, without kind of giving extra spoilers, but yeah, mm. it's definitely if you've not seen it, it's, it's kind of one to check out. Um, 
quite kind of hard to put in a box as well because it's, it's a drama but it's quite not exactly a thriller but it's quite foreboding as well kind of very dark sort of twisted drama kind of reminded me of mm. the, the Babadook quite a bit just without the scary right. man in the, in the white right. face paint and the, <laughs> right. without, Dan, without Dan Housen um, at the window <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of similar vibes to that in terms of the relationships so yeah it was very good and then also rewatched uh, for the first time since seeing it at the cinema uh disney's marvel's x-men's uh logan uh Ooh. starring hugh jackman as logan aka wolverine yes, yes. Uh, and of course patrick stewart as, as an elderly uh professor x and stephen merchant as well as a bald albino gonk um mutant <laughs> uh who steve's very good he does a very good job in it he kind of holds his own with uh the two heavyweight actors i thought um, yeah, I really liked that when I, I liked it when I first saw it. I was I didn't love it, but I think on rewatch I liked it a bit more. I think really the first half of the movie is, is the strongest um, when it is very kind of grounded, and it's just um, you know Professor X with kind of dementia or some kind of degenerative illness, whatever, being looked after by uh, Caliban and and Wolverine. Um, it's I can't remember exactly how far in the future it's set, but the idea is mutants don't exist anymore. And there's been no new mutants, right? Mutations have stopped. So it's kind of a dystopian um, post-X-Men kind of thing. And it's right. um, it's a really, I really like that story of, of him, you know, Professor X being like the kind of degenerative sort of father who's who's you know, slowly dying and losing his mind and everything. And the twist they put on that was great. Once it gets into the slightly more sort of, typical comic book stuff and Richard E. Grant shows up ch- chewing yeah. the scenery and clones and all that. It's a bit like, okay, it's back, back into the usual territory. But um, I think I enjoyed it a bit more kind of knowing what was coming. And I think the characters uh, are strong enough to kind of see it through to the end. And it's fitting, a fitting ending for Hugh Jackman's kind of years as Wolverine as well. Uh, yeah. Until of course he comes back for uh, Avengers versus X-Men uh, in about 2028. Yeah, they, <laughs> they digitally de-age him, Luke Skywalker. So, oh. but yeah, no, really, it was a really, really, really good film. Really funny as well. And Professor um, Patrick Stewart gets to swear a lot, which I think he <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Fucking Logan, you fucking cunt! You give me medicine, you <laughs> prick!" <laughs> that is very good. Uh, that was really fun. I need to rewatch Logan. I've yeah, but yeah, it's it's, it's it good. might be my favorite comic book film. Which I know is high, high praise, but I need to rewatch it to make sure that that is an accurate uh, opinion to have. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, I actually forgot one uh, here on my on my list. I did watch that new uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw movie on Netflix. Oh, oh yes, uh, which I thought was more enjoyable than I was expecting going in. Mm. Um, I mean, you have to just do the typical disclaimer. Oh, it's way more violent than the original. They have not tried to redo the original per se. Um, it's quite dumb uh, uh, as well. But with all that said, I thought it was a kind of decently made, uh, you know, fairly breezy. I think it's like 90 minutes, close enough to bang on the dot. Um, so don't go into it expecting a good follow-up to the original because the best way to follow up the original is to fucking do something else and don't try and make another one. I mean, it's the it's the biggest folly in all of horror to try and make another 
mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw and have it be good while also still being uh, something uh, in the spirit of the original. So with that, you're admitting that is not uh, a criteria for me to say this is good. I, I, I thought it was fun. Uh, fun, but dumb, uh, but definitely fun. Uh, I expected a lot worse. I will say that. I expected a lot worse. And it's kind of, you know, uh, it's dumb, but I think they, there's also some mildly interesting uh, 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 stuff they do. I mean, kind of in the same way the original is all kind of a like, forgotten rural American family and all this other stuff. I mean, mm. this film in a lot dumber and, and funnier ways kind of leans into this idea of like sort of shithead hipsters looking for like holes in the middle of rural America to like uh, gentrify basically. Uh, uh, and, and they get their comeuppance in, in the form of a lot of very funny over the top ownage. Which is not at all what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about, but whatever. I thought it was funny. So (laughs) who gives a shit? I got some joy out of it, so I'm not going to. But I mean, it is it is absolutely comical the level of of violence in this relative to the to the original, and probably actually relative Mm -hmm. even to most of the sequels. It's there's there is one scene in particular that's absolutely hilariously mental. It's like it's like. It's like fucking. Uh, it's like a hallway scene from the raid, but with Leatherface in it. And he's just in a confined space, absolutely chopping, making chutney out of about a dozen people. It's very, very funny. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, the original has like no violence almost in it. No, no, well, not no on screen. Let's say. no on screen violence. No I mean, gore. that was uh, you know inexplicably. Hooper thought he would get like a PG thirteen <laughs> back in the day, which is also very funny. Um, uh, yeah, it's very incredibly tame by modern standards. Uh, I mean, it, it, psychologically, it isn't, but no, yeah. gore-wise, I was I was shocked to be like, oh, this film is not even giving me a little. Yeah, and yet it still hits today. That's that. That was the other thing I thought, and I it think it was in the in the in the letterbox as well. Part of why it's so pointless to try and do any kind of follow-up to it that's honorable to the source is kind of like. But, like, the source is still good today. Someone who had never seen it before could get themselves a nice high-quality Blu-ray or find it online and watch it, and it would be exactly as affecting today as it was back then. But but then, of gotta, course, it's, it's about making money. It's not yeah, about gotta, artistically... Gotta uh, suckle at the teeth, you know. Yeah. No new ideas, 2K22. Um, no. Texas Chainsaw has got some cachet. Let's fucking milk that teat, baby. So I'm actually, on the subject of milking the teeth, the movie's going along quite well. And then they have the final girl from the original movie. They do have a really tacked on uh, Laurie Strode in the new Halloween oh, movie. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, it's so needless. And it is like something from another film. So this, mm. is, this is yet another one of those things where the premise is... This, the original happened and ignore everything else there was nothing else just our movie just our movie counts they do that exact thing in this uh, and they say and they evil dies tonight no there's nothing that bad in it um, okay, it's like I, I kind of wish they picked one idea or the other they kind of made this other weird tangential thing and then also brought her back in the second half and I'm like I pick, yeah. pick, pick one of those movies and make it would have been you know uh, uh, my idea but yeah that was a that was a you know that was all right um we'll move on then into game guff um how has the gaming been going paul 
Well, I've 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 been outed as the biggest fucking Chad gamer <laughs> galaxy brain in the world, Barry. As as you know, I, I beat Metroid Dread yeah. entirely in handheld mode. Yeah. I'm just fucking he's such a hard bastard. So he's a hard bastard. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, the game was quite hard. <laughs> the game was harder than I, but I did beat it. I did beat it. Well done. Uh, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it overall. The last boss is quite hard. Last boss is quite difficult, but you know, in in line with the rest of the game, you you learn the uh, the attacks, and in a sense, it becomes almost like a rhythm game. But I did enjoy. It. I did enjoy it overall a lot. I think the criticisms I had about it still hold up. I think it's a decent. Uh, I think it's a decent Metroid game. It's not a it's not a perfect Metroid game, but uh, you know, as far as general games go, I think I'm more uh, predisposed to that kind of game than I thought I would be. I definitely need to dip my toe into uh, into other Metroidvanias because it's a genre that I'm a big fan of, based on how much I enjoyed Super Metroid and Metroid Dread. But I actually haven't played many other Metroidvanias, uh, so I definitely need to get some on the list. I need to play uh, Symphony of the Night for sure because I know that's mm. held in almost equally high regard as super metroid uh and then maybe of the you know guacamelees or, or stuff of that kind i did try and play um uh yuka's island express once and i i got about an hour into that before i just got stuck and then i just never went back to it so maybe i need to look up like a ign's top 15 castlevania games and and kind of work my way through that but uh, no i i did really enjoy metroid dread uh didn't have as many control issues as uh, as you did, for example, Barry, as you mentioned. Mm. Um, but like I said last week, I think you know, having played through Super Metroid twice, that I was a, a bit re- more ready, maybe for what was coming. Uh, started playing Pokemon Legends Arceus, and then ironically, they've just announced another a new Pokemon game coming out late this year. There's always six Pokemon games coming out. <laughs> like I just don't get it. This well, one's a new main line. This is a new mainline one. New the generation. first since 2019's Sword and Shield. Yeah, so it will have been three years between mainline Pokemon, Pokemon games. But a Pokemon toast. Yeah, allowing <laughs> allowing for uh, Pokemon Legends, which is a fully fledged game of its own right. Uh, and I, I didn't play the uh, the Diamond Pearl remakes. I wasn't interested in that. People didn't seem to like it anyway. So I. I I hated the art style of it. I was not willing to give that a try. Like I didn't really care for the art style of Metroid Dread, but I hated the art style of of those games. And let me uh, uh, let me let me pick your brain here on Arceus, though. Um, go for it. Uh, because so again, I I I'm just, I'm really just mentally checked out from Pokemon. I've just I've never really. I think that's felt, absolutely fair. I've never really felt that. I think like a lot of lapsed Pokemon fans. I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of waiting for them to reveal a game that makes me go. Yeah. And and I have to come back and it's some gargantuan fucking open world thing. Maybe. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know what sure. it is. Like I, I, I have loads of friends. My best friend still has Pokemon Go on his phone, plays every new release. <laughs> so do I. Um uh, you know, uh like I, I, I do I do a game of the year podcast every year with my pals over at Link to the Cast. Most of them still not, not love Pokemon, but play most of the new ones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like I'm just like I'm so out of do. So what is what is Arceus doing that is different from a mainline game to the degree that now they're like, oh, but we're also doing a new mainline game. Yeah. So I guess the biggest difference is the like the point of the game, I guess, to an extent. So with the mainline Pokemon games, um, 
they've they've released the same game eight times, <laughs> basically, where right. you play young boy. Uh, you're <laughs> leaving your, your town to go on an adventure with Pokemon. Beat the eight gyms, fill your Pokedex, uh, beat the Elite Four, you beat the game. Bada boom. Maybe catch a Mewtwo along the way, or whatever right. the new game equivalent is. Uh, that's what Pokemon has always been. Uh, certainly from Generations 1 to 6, I would say. Mm-hmm. So up until... Um, like black and white two. That's what Pokemon was, right? They did change the formula somewhat with Pokemon Sun and Moon because they replaced the gyms with uh, what they call trials. So they were a bit less. Like g- gyms are just special Pokemon battles where you fight a gym leader who is like a specifically uh, aligned to one type of Pokemon. Type so you have the, Pokemon. the rock gym leader. Like if you if you watch Pokemon when you were a kid, Brock was the rock leader. Misty right. was the water leader. Uh, and so on. Um, Misty, she just put out a new album, didn't she? <laughs> and then uh, I, I think the first game that came along that really revamped the formula in any substantial way was Sword and Shield, which was the most recent one. Because that was the first one to introduce big open areas with Pokemon just wandering around. Right. Up to that point, it was, you're walking through the world, there's some grass. Walk through the grass, oh, a random battle. So they, they they still have that to an extent in Sword and Shield, but they opened up the world. Big, not, not quite open world to the extent that something like Horizon or Assassin's Creed is now, but big open area. You can you can see the Pokemon. You go up to it. You battle and catch it. Right. Right. Okay. But, the, but even with Sword and Shields, the aim of the game at its core was still catch and raise the Pokemon, beat the eight gym leaders, beat the elite four, catch the Mewtwo thing. Right. Pokemon Legends is different in that the aim of the game. There's no gyms. The 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 there's no battles in the conventional sense with like trainers in, in terms of progressing the story. Uh, the aim of the game is to fill the Pokedex, which historically you've done by catching Pokemon. In this one, though, the, the filling of the Pokedex is more activity and, um, uh, you know, the loop of the game based. Okay. So, so for instance, right, historically to fill the Pokedex, it means if you want to fill in that little Squirtle entry over there, what you have to do, right, is find the Squirtle and catch it. And then you get a little ball next to your Squirtle. I mean, Squirtle done. Move on to the next one. Here... In order to fill the Pokedex entry, you need to f- uh, get your entry up to level 10, which I, the equivalent of that, I guess, would be your mastery level in Hitman. Right. level, right? So you catch a little Squirtle. You've, you're on level 2 now because you caught a Squirtle. Uh, so you have agency in how you get that up to level 10. There's no set path, right? Okay. So it depends on what, what your play style is and what you want to do. So you can either just catch loads of Squirtle. And eventually, that you'll hit level ten, right? Or you can use that Squirtle and use uh, use it in battles. That'll get you up uh, XP as well towards your level. Or you can use it with a specific move. Or you can evolve it. Or you can, you know, whatever. So the loop of the game is still to fill the Pokedex, but y- there's a lot more activities based around doing that to get it full, as opposed to it's not just thirty hours of catching eight million right. Bidoofs. Um, it's a bit more varied than that. The world is not open world per se. It's five mini biomes, but they feel they're, they're real big. They feel basically open world. It's I guess it's open world in the same way that something like the Outer Worlds was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you have I like you have that your, setup, your, yeah. yeah your open worlds, but they're different little places. Uh, and within that, the Pokemon are out in the wild. 
and even the way you catch a Pokemon, this is one of my favorite things about it, is even the way you catch the Pokemon is entirely up to you, right? So it's not just you, you run up to it and do a battle and then you throw your ball when you get its HP down. There's like tall grass you can hide in, like stealthily. Yeah. And if you throw your ball from uh, when the Pokemon's facing the other way, if you hit it with your Pokeball, you have a better chance of catching it, right? Uh, you also have different kinds of Pokeballs. Uh, for example, you have one called a Heavy Ball, which which has a better chance of catching the Pokemon, but you have to be physically closer to it because okay. the ball is heavy. You can't throw it as far. So you're thinking like, okay, if I throw my Pokeball, I can be further away and won't risk it noticing me and maybe triggering a battle because you can still catch it in the traditional way, but you can save yourself the time by throwing it from a distance if you're hidden and you might catch it that way. Um, so I'm still very early into the game, obviously. I haven't done any of the real milestone stuff. Um, but obviously a lot of the game is still about having yourself a very strong team so that if you come across um, a strong Pokemon, because you can still, like in, in, the, in, like in Breath of the Wild, you know, within an hour of starting that game, you can come across a very powerful Lionel who one hit kills you. Pokemon has that element to it as well, where you can, within an hour of starting, come across what's called an alpha Pokemon, which is like a bigger, stronger version of the Pokemon in the area. Right. Um, so it also benefits you to have a strong team. So in case you come up against one of them, you can catch it and add it to your team, um, which I had, I did do successfully, uh, but not one hour in. I'm four hours in now. So it's closer to four hours in than one hour in. Um, what I will say is I, I like Death Stranding. I'm f- Even uh, from a non-traditional Pokemon perspective, I'm finding the loop quite interesting and fun right. to do. It, it doesn't feel like grinding, which is what my fear was going to be. Because I didn't understand fully the Pokedex thing. I thought it was, okay, these are your check marks to fill the Pokedex. You have to do them all. As opposed to, you just have to choose which ones you prefer to do to reach the level 10. So again, it's like Hitman. You don't have to do every challenge. You don't have to do every assassination. Just enough to get you to level 20. Right. And then you can move on, you know? So I like that you you have a bit more agency. You have a bit more decision about what way you want to approach filling the Pokedex. Um, obviously, there's also an overarching story of like, you've been sent back in time to old Pokemon times. And, you know, uh, there's there's stuff happening that you're, you know, trying to figure out but mostly what it appears to be so far is that at the core of the game it's fill the pokedex uh catch as many of the pokemon as you can out in this open world evolve them train them up um and yeah it's it's a little less focused on what pokemon used to be which was battle 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 gym battle 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 gym battle which that that's what the loop was historically like i'm enjoying it so far i will say um you know, my favorite Zelda game is Twilight Princess, and people often say, Twilight Princess, that's got that fucking two-hour boring tutorial tutorial part at the beginning, which, first of all, it doesn't. It's 40 minutes, which is still too long, but uh, Pokemon Arceus has one of the most laborious tutorials, right. openings of all time, with just so much text. My God. Um, but once it lets you loose, it does become very fun. And although what I think it lacks also is a true you know, encouragement to explore like in Breath of the Wild, where it's like, what's up on that mountain? Go up to the mountain. Oh, there's a little rock here with a little underneath it or something, you know? I think Pokemon doesn't quite have that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, a patch came out today. I don't know how, how improved or not it is. But from my early impressions, 
it's just kind of like a, a death stranding like if you like the loop you won't consider it grinding you'll enjoy the game if you're not into the loop you, you'll pass by it and you know you might yeah. enjoy something else you might enjoy the tra- traditional pokemon games more you know yeah so that's where i am with that Alrighty. Um, I've mainly been playing more Horizon. I think I just started uh, last week. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, that. I think that genre is just really starting to show its age. It's really, I talked about, I streamed a bit of this on, on uh, Wednesday. Yeah. People want to see me. And I, I just, I think I touched a lot of bases in that two hour stream. Of, here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. With lots of examples on the stream of what I, I, I liked. And I said, one thing I said was that like, I really liked the first Horizon game. I think the world is interesting. I think it looks gorgeous. I think its soundtrack is great. I like the characters. I was excited to get back into that world. And not dissimilar to something like a Last of Us 2, this was a five-year development cycle. Right? Long time. Long time. Big budget. Sequel to a game that sold 20 million copies. It should feel like a special event. And what it sounds like a compliment, it's actually a bit of a negative, that you pick it up and it's like you just picked up the game you just put down a couple of years ago, it feels overly familiar in all the worst ways. And actually, I just watched a, a, a video game donkey's uh, video on it. Very funny, obviously, great channel. Uh, and he said that uh, he never finished the first one, but picking up Forbidden West felt like he was picking back up a game he had just finished 50 times. It's just so familiar. <laughs> and it's it's such a shame because it's like, these are things, it sounds like you're kind of saying, oh, they followed the boilerplate open world thing. It's very lazily done. And it's like, it is, but at the same time, the world is so bespoke and finely crafted. It is obviously a labor of love, but I think it's just we're butting up against the limits of what that checklist open world, absolutely, absurdly, unnecessarily huge map with Witcher style. Every fucking corner has a question mark on it. Like, we're just, we're bumping up against that. And it's kind of like, obviously, everyone's pointed out that they, you know, the first one, was up against uh, Breath of the Wild. The second one is up against <laughs> Elden Ring. But the irony is that, like, this sequel isn't even as innovative as the last game that showed it up. Forget Elden Ring. It's like Zelda came out and threw the rule book out uh, in 2017, and you came out in 2022. You're still reading the real book. They just threw it out. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. Like, let's do something else. Like, it's just, it's that you, they these are games that technically occupy the same genre, but you will not have the same conversation about them because Zelda and by all accounts, Elden Ring are about you figure out what you want to do and how you go about it is completely up to you. And you and I will both go and play Zelda for 20 hours and we'll come back with completely different stories. And that is absolutely not true for horizon. And it's really a shame. And you want to talk about laborious intros, Jesus fucking Christ. There's a two hour handholdy story mission that's not in an open world. It's like a, it's like, no, it's a big open space, but it's not the open world, right? Yeah. Two hours, learn the mechanics. And also we're going to fucking spend 40 minutes recapping the story to you. Do that. Great. Yeah. Credit sequence. Boom. Then you've about three or four hours in a, what's technically in the massive open world, but you're segmented off. It does like a big gate. It's like an old, it's like an old GTA game. Almost. Yeah. Um, you're in basically what's still technically not the forbidden West. You're at the border town. And so you have to do, like, I think it's between two and three hours of missions in that tiny little section. And that's even though you just had a tutorial, that's also still tutorializing. Here's all the mechanics. And that's another problem with this game that's a very 
uh, uh, very reoccurring problem in lots of modern games is with it's it's like thick with systems and it doesn't need to be. There's yeah. there's a million different weapons. Each weapon has rarity. I'm so sick of rarity in games. Common, That's uncommon, rare. rare, special. Like every every item in the game has that. There's crafting. There's upgrading. The skill tree has about 500 different things you can select on it. It's just there's not just in terms of size of the map, just in terms of things. There's so yeah. much game in there, um, and uh, it's also like like just like the first game. For something that's all action and it's it's like you're fighting giant robot dinosaurs, which are really cool, and that doing that is still fun. Oh my god, so much talking in this game. Every character you talk to, you you get through the first kind of mandatory story conversation, and then this massive spider's web conversation wheel opens up where you can ask <laughs> them about so what are the origins of your pants? Oh <laughs> these pants were passed down from my grandfather who founded this this junction. It's like God. Damn! Can we just get going here? Um, you know, it's just—it's very frustrating. Frustrating is the word because it's like there are things about it I like. I still like the voice performance. It's got a great cast. It's obviously got Ashley Birch was great in the first game. She's back now as Aloy again. Uh, Angela Bassett plays the like main antagonist or one of the main antagonists, which I was mm. really surprised by. Uh, Tilda Swinton's in it. Um, uh, you know, uh, and a bunch of other great, great voice actors. Um, it looks amazing. I mentioned last week, like the lack of pop in and stuff. I mean, it's such a coherent world in the sense that everything, everything looks the way it should be. You're very, you very rarely bump into those video game things. Oh, that hasn't loaded in, or oh, that doesn't look quite right. Um, you know, uh, the facial animations are great. You know, it's. But <sighs> I'm kind of wondering how much longer I have left in me for it. Also, I'm now in the open world proper. Okay, so I got out of that. I did the tutorial mission. I got out of the tutorial area. I've now done a couple of story missions, and now I'm in the game. And I'm still waiting for, okay, but where's the hook? Where's the the thing to get me? You know? Send hook. They need (laughs) send hook. They do actually give you a grappling hook, which is a positive. Uh, But it's no actual hook. Uh, I'm surprised that that more open world games haven't I mean Elder Ring seems like it has uh, to be fair but haven't gone with that Breath of the Wild like concept of here's your open world go figure it out yeah um, and I, I think that is really down to just like fear and aversion to not like you, when you're Nintendo and the license is Zelda, you can just say, yeah. fuck it, they're going to play it anyway. And sure enough, people did and they loved it. But I feel like the rest of the industry is just, and obviously from do their own thing. They've always done their own thing. So yeah, for Elden Ring, they're going to do it. But everyone else is just in this death grip that if we don't put everything on the map and if we don't explain everything to everyone, they're not going to get it. Um, and it, it's just... It's weird because I, I think I said this on the stream as well. I just wish there was a, a middle ground because even after beating Bloodborne and really getting an admiration for From's stuff, I still don't know if I'm ready to be that guy who plays all those games and says, this is what a game should be. But also, mm-hmm. I, I think Horizon is too far in the other direction as well. I need there to be a happy medium where developers, like, let's take the training wheels off and let's let people fucking figure this stuff out. 
Um, but also, let's not throw our little toddler into the deep end with no water wings and just if they fucking yes. drown, who gives a shit? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with it, but it's it's pretty frustrating. Uh, I was saying in the week that Elden Ring, because I've never played a From game, I haven't even dipped my toe into Bloodborne. I was saying if you could turn the difficulty down a little bit, that might be right up my alley. Mm. So we'll see. It might be up right, anyway. I, I don't know. I, I am interested, to be honest, in Elden Ring for sure. Is there no uh, is there no from things on like PS Plus or anything that you could give a go? <laughs> Haven't had PS Plus for oh, okay. six well, months, brother. Never mind. I'm, I'm an Xbox boy now. My Xbox underpants on right this very second. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so that's Horizon. Um, I think I, I think Horizon is kind of lucky. I'm very broke after paying for Horizon uh, oh. because I was kind of like. I was I was back and forth on Elden Ring so much, and I decided I was like I've been I've a big backlog. I'm gonna I want to beat what I have before I plop more money down on another one because gotcha. Horizons. What I'm also thinking I haven't finished Sifu yet, and every time I go to pick up something, I'm like if I stop playing Horizon now, I feel like this will be the end of it, and I will gotcha. never come back to it. Um, uh, yeah, and that's probably that's even a great example right there. There is no more like linear game in the world than Sifu. It is literally just walk and fight and I'm infinitely more compelled to go back to that yeah. um, than this open world checklist thing. But uh, I'll report back next week and then in the coming weeks we'll see where we're at. But um, but yeah, no other, no other real video games for me there uh, this week. Oh, what I did because it came up sort of spontaneously over the course of conversation. Um, I played Celebrity Deathmatch on the PlayStation 1. Uh, we were talking about licensed games when I was streaming Def Jam and that came up. Let me tell you, that is one big old fucking turd. I mean, there were some, <laughs> there were some bad wrestling games on that generation of systems, but oh baby, that one is worse than Simpsons wrestling, uh, to my recollection. Uh, yeah, and since I was on the train playing the little handheld emulator, anyway, I fired up some ISS Pro Evolution instead to watch that no, instead of my mouth. Now that's a fucking video game. That's great. That still <laughs> feels great. Konami representing. Um, that was still a lot of fun. I was shit at that as well, but I, it was at least better made uh, uh, than Celebrity Deathmatch. Um, yeah, so that is the video games there for this week. We'll report back next week. Oh, actually, sorry, I won't be here next week. I forgot to say, I'm going to my holly box. Uh, oh my I'm off to Italia. I'm doing the hands right now, listeners. I'm doing the hands. I'm doing the hands. Um, yeah, I'm off to Italy next week on a little... Uh, Where are you going? Uh, Venice. Oh, uh, with my friends, uh, a friend of mine. I'm not really this type at all, but he's one of these. When you see an offer on a flight, you just figure it out and go. That's not my thing. But he said, "Hey, I'm doing this. You want to go?" And I said, "Yeah, why not? We'll go to Venice for a few days, see the sights." Um, so yeah, I won't be here next week, so it'll just be the boys. Um, but just just imagine I'm here next week, and I did another segment where I said the exact same thing about Horizon again, because that's probably what I'm going to do this week. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah. So uh, we will segue here from the video games on to uh, no emails this week, boys. I'm looking here at the list. Joey, you got a quiz for us? Yeah, I have um, the third and final part of the uh, Pointless oh, Fortunes yes. trilogy from Mr. Go. Nathan Moore. Uh, he says, greeting, Mr. Town. I give you my conclusion to my wrestling Pointless trilogy. And now you get to be quiz master. Excellent. Uh, it's miscellaneous. Pointless. So we've got a few different uh, categories here. Uh, three different titles from three different places. Uh, we shall begin with one that should be right up Barry's wheelhouse. It is the PWG World Championship. So you, 
Usual rules apply. If you've forgotten what the rules are, we name a championship and it's the top 10 uh, reigns. Um, who who had the top 10 reigns in terms of number of days, total number of days across each of their reigns. Um, this is for the PWG World Championship. So the goal, of course, is to get someone in the top 10, but the lower down you get, the more points you get. So uh, I'm going to toss something. Um, hang on. I've got a post-it pad. Uh, okay, Paul, you can guess. Do you want the side with the sticky bit on the back or the front cover, which is not sticky? Always sticky, all the time. Okay. It is sticky. Paul, do you want you go first? I have some questions about the aerodynamics of that, but go on. <laughs> well, hmm. uh, oh my god, PWG, fuck it. Uh, okay, what do I what do I know about PWG and who's been the world champion? Um. I will go for uh, I'll go for Adam Cole. Adam Cole, baby, is correct uh, with one thousand five hundred and thirty-eight uh, day. Assume that's days and not rains. These are yeah. yeah. Days. <laughs> uh, it doesn't specify. Um, yeah, but he's number two. Paul, so two points okay. for you. For- well, it might be oh, one thousand. That's like it might be one rain, two hundred days, or something like that. Yeah, this is across all their rains. So okay, so two points. Yes, two points, Barry. Uh, I will say Kevin Steen. Kevin Steen is correct. Uh, Oh, actually, I see what he's done. It's not one thousand five hundred thirty-eight. It's Adam Cole was one rain five hundred thirty-eight yes, days. Nice. Right, 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 right. Because yeah. <laughs> because he's got Kevin Steen three four six nine, and I was like, no, he could not have held the PW Championship <laughs> for oh. a decade, <laughs> for ten years. Yeah. So Kevin Steen three rains four hundred sixty-nine days. Uh, number four. So Excellent. four points to Barry. Uh, I will go for his mate, uh, the masked uh, Mexican. El Generico. 302 days across two reigns. He's number nine, Paul. Oh! He's in the house. Okay. I'm actually, I am not as confident as you might think for this. It's Mm. not an especially well-booked title. It's really not. Um... Oh, actually, El Generico was a great guess. I was going to say El Generico. That's really mm. annoying. Um, Chuck Taylor. Oh, Barry's not in there. Oh. He's not in there. It's a big fat goose egg. And um, outrageous. Nathan has said here: if Barry gets one wrong, mock him mercilessly because he's no. about about this subject. But I, I, I haven't got there yet. That's why it's been, they haven't covered the whole history of PWG yet, so he hasn't been able to add yeah. them up. So I've got my notepad right here. Most of the shows of their still hate. quite embarrassing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> quite Paul. embarrassing. Paul, back to you. You can okay, really stretch um, out your lead now if you can get a, a third one. Um, let me think. Ooh, we'll go for. Oh, was he champion? Jeff Cobb? Jeff Cobb, 427 days, one reign. Number six, Paul. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. 
Don't forget, what was my record from last week? 54 or something? <laughs> We're chasing it down. <laughs> chasing the dragon. Um, Mr. Chris Hero. That's correct, Barry. 425 days, one reign. He is number seven. Excellent. Ooh, number seven. So, yes, yes. Good one. Mm, who else? Ooh, your fourth guess. You've got two more. God. Um, PWG. Um, I'll go for. I'm running out of names very quickly. Uh, Ban- Bandito. Bandito is correct. Um, is he the current champion? I can't remember. But he's. I think, uh, might be. That's why he's my think so, yeah. 798 days across one reign. So, presumably, he's the champion for three years. Yes, Bandito oh, is the number one uh, oh, in terms okay. of days. A, a point on the board, time. we'll take. I, I believe that was he won it before COVID. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah. So that's, like, that's your Like a home draw with Watford, we'll take the point on the board. Um, uh, as as you will always do with a uh, an indie wrestling retrospective quiz, I, I will I will take my first uh, cancelled person pick, uh, and I will say Joey Ryan. That's correct, Barry. That is correct. Um, Four hundred six days, one rain. That scores you a big eight points. Oh um, fuck! So. Joey Ryan, not all bad. No, no. That's a quiz Who answer. Else Who else is there? Um, final guess, Paul. Final guess on this one. Oh, round. shit. Uh, I will say, in my final guess, um... Ricochet? No Ricochet, I'm afraid. Paul. Big zero on that final one. Uh, So over to you, Barry, for your final guess on the PWG World Championship. Uh, I I was worried... Yeah, I was worried this guy might be one, but I guess he's not. Uh, So Zack Sabre Jr.? Zack Sabre Jr. is actually third in the list. Yeah, maybe he died. 489 days so pick up a little, first round. Uh, a little three points there Barry so at the end of that round if I quickly do the maths so despite Paul taking a big lead Barry actually managed to pull it back it's 22 to Barry 18 to Paul Okay, but not fine. bad not bad for the yeah, PWG one hopefully so, it'll be a, a company up my uh Ali next. Uh, Irish Whip Wrestling in Spark Car Parks. Let's do it. <laughs> so round number two is the Ring of Honor World Championship. Okay. <laughs> okay, says Barry. Um, so we go with Dear. Uh, Barry first this time. So Barry, do you want to go for it? Uh, see, the trouble with these quizzes, I can only pick pick the obvious long reigns. I'm trying to not do... Um, Oh, God. Uh, Jay Briscoe. Very good guess. Very good guess. It's, yes, 375 days across two reigns. Number eight. Oh, God. 
Not someone I would have uh, expected. Oh, this is not going to be good. Um, <laughs> all right, let me rack my brains here. I'll go for... Um, I'll go for Roderick Strong. Unfortunately, he's not there, Paul. That's a zero. That is ah. a zero, Mr. Roderick Strong. No good. Like Barry, I'm trying to avoid the two obvious ones. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I already might have to. No, actually, no, I won't. Okay. Um, Jay Lethal? Jay Lethal is number one. Uh, really? Wow. Yeah, of all time. Uh, 707 days across two Jesus. reigns. So one, wow. one point for Barry there. All right. I'll, just to get my like, I have some Come points on, on the board. Come on, I'll go for, I'll go for my, my email friend. Uh, bought a DVD off him. Nigel McGuinness. Old Nigel McGuinness. Old um, Nigel. Yes, 545 days, one rain. He's number four, Paul. So four points okay, I'll, there. I'll take it's it. Not bad. Good stuff, yeah. Similarly, I will go for an obvious one just to keep the momentum going here. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is number two. Uh, of course, that's... I think it was the longest rain ever, 645 days, one rain. Mm. So, yeah, two two points to Barry there. Back to you, Paul. Third yeah, I'll guess. Go for, I'll go for old Steiner. Old Kevin Steen. Queeveen McSteen. Well, he had one rain, yeah. Paul. 328 days, which gets you nine points. Oh, fucking nine. hell. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. He's loving that. He's loving that. Yes, I am. Uh, very good back to Barry for his fourth guess oh god um Austin Aries Austin Aries held the belt twice Mm. for a total of 419 days (laughs) putting him at number seven so seven points for the Barry lad (sighs) Paul your fourth guess Could do with a good um, one. We'll go for. Ooh, we play it safe or take a risk. I guess we play it safe first, and then maybe take a risk on the last one. Mm-hmm. We go for Charles Montgomery Punk. Unfortunately, what? Oh, he's not on the list. No, I think like, he, no. He, he only held it for like a week or something. Yeah, he held it like oh, yeah, 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 like a month or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think Ring of Honor, I think that lad. But well, he is in their Hall of Fame. He's going into their inaugural class. Go for it, Barry. So, um, Loki. Also a zero. Oh wow. Okay. Not a long not long reigns for him. So right. Paul, you've you've you know you missed the penalty, but Barry's just missed one. Yeah, I'll go for Brian Daniel Brian Danielson. Daniel Brian Bryanson Daniel. Uh, 462 days, one rain, number five, five nice. points for you there, Paul. Do we Very get the names good. who we missed from the two rounds, by the way? Nah. Were there any <laughs> rounds we should have got? Uh, yeah, on our Ring of Honor, you only really missed, uh, Rush, or Roosh, Roosh, yeah. number three. Yeah. Uh, I think, and then Adam Cole. Adam Cole, on the Ring of Honor of list. And actually the best answer was number 10, Davey Richards. 
That was gonna be my. That was gonna be. Oh, why did I fucking say low key little bald shit? <laughs> so speaking of little bald shits, the scores at the end of that round. Well, we've got Paul uh, scored eighteen, and okay. Barry also scored eighteen. Wow, that's close. So close. Barry Barry remains four points in the lead based on that first round. Um, Here we go. So we'll go into round number three, which is the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Oh, God. That's the nice-looking old one, not the shit new one that's only (laughs) held by, like, two people. Yeah. And as a swerve, we're going top 20 on this one. Oh, my God. The big finale. Big finale. It's the big money round. You could potentially score. This is double money. I'm Les Dennis. (laughs) Welcome to (laughs) Pointless Fortunes. Okay. Oh. I think IWGP is going to be my best round, ironically, because I'll, I'll, not that I watched fucking any of it, but all the years I spent reading Power Slam cover to yeah. cover, there's going to be some mad names <laughs> well, in there. PS 50s, where it was like 10 Japanese wrestlers. Exactly. Them. So I'm, um, am I up first? Uh, no, Barry. No, yes. I won the flip. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you Paul We all get five guesses. We all get five guesses. Come on now. I don't right. know my good ones. Paul. Okay, let me think. Um, where do we begin? Top 20 IWGP. We'll start with uh, Tenzan. Tenzan. I'm going to have to read this entire list. Do it. Control F. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tenzan is there. Yes. 197 days across four reigns. He's number 17. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. You dirty <laughs> little bastard. Oh, my God. <laughs> He used to do a tombstone, and he's got weird hair. Oh, mm. yes. Mm-hmm. TTD. I never saw him do it, but I read about it. Okay. Um, I will go for Switchblade J. White. Barry, that's What's a up? big that's a big zero. Oh, oh, I what was, a zero? Not even as much. I was thinking that would be God, I was that was gonna be twenty. Fuck. No switchblade. No. Okay. I've got I've got another another bomb in the in the chamber here. Because I, I I I know it was long. It might be too high up the list if anything. I know it was long because he, he refused to go back and de- defend it. So I don't know when the cutoff date was, but I'll go for current WWE champion man Brock Lesnar. Well, Brock Lesnar did did indeed hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Paul, yeah. he held it for two hundred and eighty days before relinquishing it. He comes in at number fifteen. I know they're good. So that's uh, ooh, 17 and fifteen for Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's like double my score. Right? I think Barry, you're gonna have to. Um, and remember, we're talking. Yeah, this is all history. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. know, Five, ten years. (laughs) Mine are all going to be from two thousand four to two (laughs) thousand nine. Yuji Nagata. Oh, it's a good one. Yuji Nagata is on the list. He had two reigns, five hundred and seventy days. It does score you a seven points. I'll take seven it. points. I'll take it. I need, I need to get on the you're list. You're on here. the board. You're on the board. All right. Oh, your third guess. Can he go? go Another for... big boy. 
See, I w- I'm starting to think, are, oh, is, is it too obscure? But since it's 20, you, you take the risk, don't you? That it's like not top 10, it's top 20. Yeah. I'll go for uh, one that is like a trivia piece that I used to say to people, he was the champion, you know? Uh, Breadman Satoshi Kojima. Bread Club. 168 days across two reigns, Paul. Which gets you a big 19 points. Come on. Jesus Come Christ. on. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> like, I can really only think of, of like... Um, Oh, fuck it. Okay, I got one more old boy in the chamber. I will say Togi Makabe. Togi Makabe. He is on the list, Barry. Mm. You get one rain. Mm. 161 days. Mm. Putting him at number 20. Yeah. Wow. There he's we powering go. up. He's chopping the chest. <laughs> <laughs> he just dropped Paul on his head. Paul got in the chamber. <laughs> Crowd are politely applauding. <laughs> See, that's throwing me off now because I had one that I thought was less than Kojima, but now I'm Ooh. thinking he might not be on the list. Fuck it. I'll say it anyway. If He might be like 18 or something. Uh, Nakanishi. Oh, very good. Nakanishi. Yeah, Michael Nock, he, he can barely move his arms anymore. I think he's retired now, actually. But uh, he was in a tag team with old uh, Nagata for the last few years. He's not on the list. Paul. Not there. He's not on the list. I'm sorry. Oh, well, no worries. That's a zero. So, Barry, I mean, you're still... You're going to have to pull a few out here, but you're not... You know, you I'm going to have to pull a few out. Okay. Um, of the current boys, I think some of them will definitely have ranked... Um, but they're going to be high, which is my my problem. Mm. So I'm going to go with the one I think has the least amount out of the big boys, which is Naito. Tetsuya. He is on the list, Barry. 387 days, three reigns, number 11. So 11 oh, okay. Points, 11 All right. Points. So I'm happy with bad. that. Not too bad. Not too bad. Paul, your final, final guess. Final one. Oh, better, better stick in a penalty here and not try and stick it over the bar like Kepa Rizabalaga earlier. Um, I'll go. Okay, I'll take a modern one, but one that I think he didn't hold it as long as you might think. Uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, two hundred nine days in Kenny Omega's one reign, which puts him sixteenth. so yeah 67 points for that last round paul not bad bad (laughs) so i'm not sure if only nakanishi was on there i would have been pushing 100 almost like he is ironically (laughs) um this is my last one you can't win barry to be honest okay I'll take, I'll take a big mad shot just to try and get one last. Uh, I don't think this is right, but I'll take. A, I'll have a pop anyway. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's no, not on the list. No, no he beat Les. Zero. He beat Lesnar for his, but it was considered the I. Oh yeah, it was the whatever. It was, yeah, the that other one. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So that takes us to the end of the uh, the quiz, the end of the trilogy. And uh, we have Barry, 78 points. He was in the lead the first two rounds. But Paul finishes with a big 103 points. Wow. With that double money round coming into play. So, that, was a, uh, that was a great effort from Paul, I have to say. Congratulations, Paul. The big comeback in the big baby face comeback in that final, uh, mm. final stretch. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> He, you know, he got the heat for sure. I'll be, you know, there'll be a comeback. <laughs> so I'm just try looking up now. I don't think Nakanishi is even his name. I'm not, I don't think. No, Nakanishi is a yeah. No, he's Nakanishi is the guy. Although you said his first name was Michael earlier, which I don't think That's is correct. Cool. Who am I thinking of? Hang on, let me look it up. I might, I might have just said the wrong name. Well, he looked that up. I, I see quickly. Go grab some water. I'll be right back. Manabu oh, Nakanishi. No, that's not who I was thinking oh. of. Did he, he held the world title? He was, yeah, he was an IWGP heavyweight champion, and he is okay, an old maybe. and he is an old fella. Okay, that that must yeah. That, okay, Manabu. I don't know where I got Michael from. Sorry, uh, Michael is his Irish cousin. Yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> <laughs> young uh, Michael Nakanishi. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So running down the, the rest. I mean, I think we got we got quite a few of them. Okada's number one. Uh, okay. 1790 days. You've got Tanahashi, number two. The Great Muta, Shinya Hashimoto, mm. Tatsumi Fujinami. I was going to say Nakamura for one of my guesses. Was it, would he be? Uh, yeah, number 10, Nakamura. Okay, 10, not, not bad. bad score. Uh, Yuji Nagata, Kensuki Sasaki, Kazuki Fujita, um, number nine. Fujiwara. Fujiwara, not in there. Okay. Uh, but number nine, Big Van Vader. Oh, yeah. uh, we got Nakamura, we got Naito, Choshu, uh, Antonio Inoki. Of course, Inoki. Number yeah. 13. Uh, another American wrestler that you neither of you went for, who would have been a good score, Mr. AJ Styles. Yes. 307 days across his two reigns. And uh, yeah, I think you you got all of the big ones. You got Lesnar, you got Omega, Tenzan. Uh, I don't think you got... Taka... Yoshihiro Takayama. No. Um, but yeah, Kojima and Makabe in 1920. So yeah, very good. Very impressive. No, we did we did well. We did well that one, to be fair. Is that all the emails, then? That's the emails. I think so. Lovely stuff. Uh, we can talk about, then, the wrestling this week. Yeah. Uh, another good dynamite. Um... Very good. More notable for talking this week than, than wrestling. I thought the promos mm. were very good. Uh, I thought that MGF won. I mean, I don't know how many more superlatives can be can be uh, lauded at it, but I thought it was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, fantastic. Agreed. I um I woke up on Thursday, checked Twitter, and saw Barry had tweeted about that promo. He tweeted, uh, I found out about war breaking out because I t- looked up. <laughs> yeah, because I was talking about MGF, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I read that tweet and went, Oh, I bet I watched MJF. <laughs> <laughs> so I did watch that and then then put the radio on to hear about the war. Um, yeah, no, really, really, really good. It's like that that kind of twisted origin story of the bad guy. You know, right. like, oh, yeah. Makes it real. Really good. Yeah. It's like what we were saying a few weeks ago, though, about the Moxie uh, Danielson story. Hmm. About... You know, there's the the obvious path to do a story, and then the the road less traveled. Yeah, and it seemed like you know with Punk making the dog collar match, you know, you're going to make MJF as as hateable a heel as possible. And actually, they flipped the script in a mm. way that you know 
subverts your expectations, but also in a way that makes you think, oh, I'm really intrigued to see what way this goes, you know? Um, they seemed to hint at it even last week when Punk made the stipulation. MJF was like speechless. He couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Then he came out and gave this. And then CM Punk coming down and, you know, saying, you know, is it true? It's a, it's a shoot. It's a shoot, brother. It's a shoot. Um, you know, I like it. I, I, I just hope they don't fall back to the... Uh, the more traveled road and say, oh, you know, it was MJF was 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 lying. Like I think I think the the acceptable line would be like if 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 it comes out that MJF did it to like you know put off CM Punk to get mm-hmm. in his head, even though it's true. Like he he won't come out and say oh, obviously it's not true, but to say it is true. But I knew that the kind of match we were having, I had to plan to seed it out or mm-hmm. do something, you know, to to. Uh, Get into CM Punk's mind, but I thought it was—I thought it was extremely well delivered. Uh, tell you, we don't miss uh, Cody Rhodes anymore because we got a new lip trembler in town. His name is MJF. He is, uh, he, and he, and more than Cody, he got—he actually got real tears out as well. Mm. Um, yeah, very impressive. One of the one of the best promos in in Dynamite's short, but already full of great promo uh, history. Uh, very very impressive. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's great. So uh, we will see what comes of that this coming week. I would almost not have them on Dynamite this week. Um, I suppose you it know? depends. It depends. I, you know, I, I, I think. I mean, I think that I think they are going to go for the obvious thing. I think. Uh, I, I think this is leading to a MJF. Are oh, you little bastard? What you do that for? Moment where he just. <laughs> kicks punk in the balls well that's fine depending on what way they approach it you know because mm. mjf ultimately is still the heel I, I think he should probably still win the match and then go on to feud for the title but um it's just the way they do it like you you can still arrive at the same destination but it's like do you go the scenic route or do you just go straight down the main road baby mm. yeah we'll see yeah i uh, i think it would be an interesting uh, uh cliffhanger to leave all the way until the pay-per-view but also like they never, they never have an episode of TV without Punk on it in some capacity. Do you know what I mean? So, or Dynamite specifically, they never have a Dynamite without him. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't think so. Uh, also on the talking front, we had Jericho and Kingston, which was sort of like a like uh, sort of finely crafted like modern PlayStation Five 3D rendered character chatting against a little sort of stick man drawn on a piece of paper um uh that was the level of depth <laughs> coming from both sides uh on this thing jericho jericho just feels so out of his depth when he gets in there with people like kingston um uh, I, I i thought some of his material was okay about kind of not knowing who kingston was and and, mm. and not thinking he had what it what it took to make it. some of his lines are just such eye rollers. I mean, he talked about his match against oh, what was his name? Uh, who was he? Wink, wink. Cody Rhodes. You know, like oh god, so cringe. But uh, I thought overall that segment was also a big win. Yeah, the only thought I had about it was that I, I, it felt more to me like, and this is I guess a negative for Eddie Kingston, which is you're going to be shocked to hear. That uh, it felt almost like Eddie Kingston was kind of one up in him in the ring, and I, I almost I wish it was more of like a collaborative effort to make a good promo happen. In mm. a sense, um, like yeah, like we know Eddie Kingston is a better promo than Chris Jericho. We know that Eddie Kingston can come off very um, sounding very real, but while also sounding 
like non-rehearsed, whereas Jericho sounded mm-hmm. super rehearsed and super like I'm reading lines. This is my character. But I guess it's it's kind of because it's it's their segment. It's up to both of them to put across uh, a product ultimately that doesn't make us feel like oh one of them is really good and one is really bad. You know, they both have to make it work ultimately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I came off thinking well Eddie Kingston came off very well and Jericho didn't, and that's kind of both their fault in a way. Yeah, I know you mean Eddie Kingston does. I think he did that with Punk as well. In in terms, but, but of Punk, they it felt more like they were sparring. Well, exactly because you know? Punk could 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 kind of live with could it. Come back, yeah. Whereas yeah. I think Jericho did, all, yeah, he did all right, but not the same. Yeah, Kingston definitely has that kind of. He, he interrupts and he he tries to throw him off almost. It's like a quite combative promo style, yeah. and I don't know what I mean it can with the right wrong person. Uh, it may not necessarily work, but with the right person very good with the right person very good as we've seen in the past but this wasn't the one uh so that match is is official um for for revolution um uh, we also got uh official for revolution take conti versus jade cargill jade cargill second match in a row that got quite terrible by the end um you know yes um mm-hmm. and, and i mean like one of them it was a little bit worrisome because aqa is like not bad so it was a little bit disappointing to see that match this one i'll cut her a little bit of slack because god bless the bunny but <laughs> i mean like uh, the bunny is also not great so um that was a bit of a mess uh, and then we got Tay Conti running out. That was, I mean, it was a bit thrown together, but I appreciate that they're at least doing, they're defending both the belts on the pay-per-view, which is what I think they should do. So, yeah, fair enough. Agreed. Fair enough. Um, I, I don't have the highest hopes for that match either, um, but we'll see. Uh, what else was there on Dynamite? We had Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, we got the kind of just more of a kind of a gradual continuation of the Moxley Danielson thing. Uh, still not clear, but it seems to be they are leaning more in the idea of they're going to have a match, which is official. And it and seems, and then it's, then we'll see maybe a team. We'll see. Um, yeah. Although this felt also like a go home line where Balancer was like, I accept your challenge, but don't be surprised if I'm not the one bleeding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe they, maybe the they won't be like, on. What's, what's the fit in between that and the match? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they won't be on Dynamite then. I think they may be the ones yeah. who are absent. Um, uh, we got more uh, 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 Elise Dissension. Uh, Red Dragon won the Battle Royale, which was uh, not a bad Battle Royale, um, I didn't think. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I, I was. Um, plugging on Twitter during the week that I had oh. a, a minor gripe oh. about oh. AEW that I, I need to point out. And Barry, you've just fallen. It's your trap. trap! You fell into the... Well, no, not into my trap. You fell into the AEW propaganda machines trap, brother. <laughs> uh, let's do an impromptu quiz, uh, specifically for Joe, because Barry, you've already fallen into the trap. Joe, mm. AEW this week opened with uh, multiple tag teams in the ring, uh, the the aim of the match to throw each other over the top rope. Can you tell me what match type that was? A battle royal. A battle royal, Joe, is the correct answer. Yes. Uh, battle royal, which is does not have an e at the end, like A W spell it for some reason. Uh, battle royale is a Japanese film <laughs> about killing people. 
why do AW call it a battle royale? I don't know. The, uh, like in France, is it is it royale copyright? Is it a trademark cheese. thing? Royal with cheese. But the match type is battle royal. It's not battle royale. That's why the Royal Rumble is called Royal Rumble because it's a battle royal. But sometimes it is. Pre- some people do pronounce it battle royale. I know, but wrongly. <laughs> oh, excuse me, excuse me. But the weird thing is, if you look up online, which I obviously did because I'm a weirdo, every instance you can find, of w- and I know WWE are not the end-all, be-all, right? But any instance you find of in WWE, it's Battle Royal with no E. Any instance you find of AEW doing it, it's Battle Royale well, with maybe an that's e just the Maybe that's just the Why? Happening. Why is that? Why do they just arbitrarily change the name of it? Maybe, to no, be different. I don't know. Silly. It's a Battle Royale. I, it's never been t- a Battle Royale. I can't believe this is what it is. When you Can you not believe it? Can you really you were, not believe it? When you were I, teasing this, I was expecting it to be, I mean, <laughs> how about the fact that we were right back this week to every single fucking match having a run-in after it? I thought no, that was going to happen. Which this is like Tony Khan. E. What is wrong with you? This is like Tony Khan promising the you know Steve Austin and giving it's us Mark Henry Christian. Um, uh, it's also a bit like when Tony Khan corrected himself for incorrectly using Forbidden Door. Yeah, and as I say, TK brother, I no one gives Don't a shit. It. What are you on about? Oh, well, I would have replied saying, "Well, well you're grand," but while you're at it, that royal mate is it even much? <laughs> Also signed Steve Austin. Do you think it's because they have Casino Royale? Like, oh, like maybe it's a reference to the bomb move. The casino, yeah. But I would get that in the context of the Casino Royale. But it's like tangential. It's not the Casino version, but it's still a battle royale. Mm, maybe it's just it's just a little thing that irks me because I I'm a stickler for pointless shit like that. Yeah, that's why you're the pointless champion. It's battle royal. It's battle royal. It's not battle royale. It's wrong to say that. You really are the champion of pointless. Next day we're doing cage spelled with a J for no reason. Cage match. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this battle royale was no. It's not. <laughs> but no, we just talked about how it is because that's what they call it. Okay. In AW world, it is a battle royale, which is mad to me. But okay. That's and it was is. and it was fine. It's pretty good. I thought it was better than your typical battle royal. Yeah. Uh, they, um. They told there's, they, some, they, there's some good little spots in it. Yeah. They weave their little stories in quite well. Um. Yeah. I was kind of surprised because it was like they did the elite dissension. But the Young Bucks were in this match, which I was surprised by. But then backstage, they said, okay, well, we're just going to go into the next one. And win the other one. Yeah. <laughs> which they which they will. Which, which they that. will, of course, yeah. Uh, I hate I hate that setup for a match. A, th- a triple threat with two battle royals to set it up is so needless. It seems so arbitrary, but also it's it makes the champions feel very like, oh, and they're there as well. Yeah. Because it's the elite feud, but also the champions there in the background. But they have a match. Yeah. I do wonder. I do wonder if Red Dragon wins and that sets up the uh, the Young Bucks feud, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, or or they could cost each other the match. And, you know that. That's I mean, they're not doing uh, a lot with uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to be apart from main eventing Rampage with the Ass Boys. But like, since the 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 criticism of Pentagon and and Phoenix when they won the belts was they're this exciting team. They give them the big win, and then what do they do with them? Not much. Then they lose to Jungle Boy and Lusaurus. Exciting team. What do they do with them? Nothing. Like, do something with the tag team mm. champions. They do loads of tag team feuds, but not with the people who actually are the champions. Mm. Which is a, a bigger issue to me than how they already smell about fucking Royale. Which is also wrong! Get your ducks in a row, Khan. 
Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else from Dynamite. Um, <laughs> lots of run-ins, as we discussed. Yeah. Um, uh, Adam Page, Adam Cole had a little segment. You know, it was all right. Um, yeah, but Adam Page is still one of the weirdest things on their show where he has the best like for for the a champion in aw world champion he undoubtedly has the best group of matches like his his average match whatever ranking let's say or or rating must be must be the best of all the champions but he's got like the worst feuds it's a very weird uh juxtaposition like i feel like I don't care about his feud Adam Cole. Their match will be great. Mm. It'll be like NXT TakeOver main events stuff. It's a bit of a Bret Hart reign. Kind of Bret Hart in the 90s when he was wrestling the Pirate Man or I don't know. To those kind of people. Like, only if, if, the, if those matches turn out to be fucking brilliant every time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that'd be fine. But yeah, he does Like need- the Lance Archer feud, what was that? But then the match was great. You know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. He needs the right kind of f- that f- right foil. Yeah, I think he was I mean, a great foil for, for Omega, but he doesn't have the... Yeah. The Russos and the Cornettes of the world would say, there's no heat, bro. There's no heat, bro. Bro, you gotta have heat. Battle Royale, bro. Battle Royale with cheese. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Rampage was real weird this week as well. I, I only got finished watching it just before we started recording. But it, it felt like super rushed. There was no, no entrances for anybody. Yeah. Um... I don't know whether like they just ran over time, but then still had the Serena Deeb three minute match in it. Like cut that out and give people entrances. Um, and not because Serena Deeb's match is not as important as the, you know, Wardlow's entrance, but just the flow. (laughs) It gave the show a weird flow when like it started with the championship match already in the ring. Second match, they're already in the ring. Um, it gave it a weird overly produced feel and, like everything was rushed. Yeah, it, it almost felt like one of those old WWF Saturday morning like live wire or superstars type programs that were just heavily edited, heavily edited matches, video packages, and yeah. it did it, it didn't feel it didn't feel like a taped version of an actual live show. It felt like no. a, a taped mishmash show. Yeah. Oh, I totally yes. agree. Uh they did also a terrible job of chopping out uh a bit of Max Caster's rap. Um, uh, he had a line removed because obviously he made some Putin reference but that was like six hours before the invasion happened so when Friday rolled around they took it out but it was again it was like a, a Sky 1 edit of Smackdown it's just cut to the people in the ring with some very hazy audio for some reason and then jump back to him mid-sentence um, and the rest of his rap was really rubbish like, yeah. Yeah. you are dumb look y- at y- you we're gonna beat you yeah, it wasn't one of his best, um, but uh, yeah, Rampage Rampage wasn't much. I I I didn't think the contract signing was that good. Britt seemed um, going through the motions. I, I I feel like it's really time for 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 Thunder Rosa to win, and I I feel like the the Baker title reigns been a big goose egg. I mean, I think it's been yeah, a, agreed a, a real dodge. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, not a great Rampage. I also thought Sammy and Andrade was not didn't do much for me. I felt like they were on different pages. Um, uh, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, the, hi- the highlight was the fourth QT Marshall student not wanting to go up to fight Hook. Oh, that was great. Sorry, yeah, the Hook thing was great. The Hook thing was fantastic. <laughs> oh, he's like, comes out like an action star with his blue yeah. pants, his hoodies, vans. 
still chewing on his potato chips and he's like just fucking judo throw that guy fucking clothesline that guy flip yeah. this guy around into a cottage of me <laughs> Um, the Sean Spears Wardlow thing wasn't good. It, it gave me the feeling like they're going to do the Wardlow turn and then he's going to feud with Sean Spears and not Jeff. Uh, oh, he definitely is. is. Absolutely. That is bad. But it feels like they got so much going on with MJF at the moment. They don't have time to fit in the Wardlow feud. So I don't, I don't know. I think that'll be do. delayed. That'll, that'll come. I think so. Uh yeah, so the uh, the revolution card is fairly loaded now at this stage. It's going to be another one of those. It's going to be one of those absolutely to the to the minute four hour shows. But it, I mean, and all the matches look good. But then they have Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting against Matt Hardy and his mates. Well, yeah, Matt, Har- Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was all match? over Dynamite. He's all over it. I can't believe it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that match is very throw. I guess they just realized, look, they didn't they didn't have anything for Darby this month, and they they have to or Sammy or oh yeah. So I guess they have to stick him on something. But uh, yeah, was it also this week that Buddy Matthews debuted? Yes, on Dynamite. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, oh, really overshadowed the new Pentagon character uh, uh, debut. Yeah, and the Pentagon and Pac won that match. Yes. Yeah. And then they got got their asses beat. Like a commentator might say, they don't look like winners to me. They they yeah. I mean, look, I don't yeah. know. They, we had a good few weeks there, but they've gone right back to this. Every match ends with the the winners getting jumped. Mm. You know, um, uh, thing. Yeah. So like that segment was like Pentagon. Basically, he's doing Pentagon Dark again, but not Pentas- using that name. Oscuro. Oscuro is is the new uh, the new one. Um, so that's fine. The entrance was a bit silly, I must say, where he came up. Behind he, did, the, he did a little peekaboo. Um, yeah. he, 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 if he if he gone ah, it might have been perfect. He didn't. Uh, also, Alex is dressed like uh, one of the backup dancers in the Thriller video. <laughs> yeah, that, that was so hokey, like like pound shop vampiro. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like they did that, and then also again, like so that happened, and I guess they didn't want Pentagon's new character to lose. So they beat. So they would. They beat Malachi and Brody King, which also feels like a bad time to do that as well. Uh, and then Buddy Murphy showed up, so who cares? It didn't really matter. Um, and but then they also did the which side is he on? I really, I, I really wish he was on the baby face side. I don't want to see Buddy Matthews cutting fucking spooky promos. Spooky promos. Me, me Foster's turns to ash in my mouth. Bloody hell. Uh, you call that a spooky gimmick? This is a spooky gimmick. Listen, listen here, cunt. I'm spooky as fuck. Oh, God. My eye, I hurt my eye once, and it makes me ruddy evil. <laughs> ah, crikey. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was never a great speaker. But look, outside of WWE, maybe he'll surprise you. Um, he's also absolutely yoked. He's absolutely gigantic. Yeah. Absolutely glorious pecs uh, <laughs> uh, on the man. Uh, very funny to think that he was once like cruiserweight champion. Like you know, definitely a work brother that weight. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, I think he's a good fit for AEW. Um, I just don't know. I, I I hope he's just their generic muscle, and he's not going to be a spooky boy. That's all I hope. Um, mm. but yeah, that was uh, that's AEW for the week. Um, Tony Khan's got a big announcement. Any any guesses on what it's going to be? 
No. <laughs> I actually, I really don't know because it doesn't seem like it's a signing. So I actually don't know it's what it not is. A signing. I was thinking either some kind of deal with another promotion. Maybe bought it could be like Japan. a super, yeah, like a super show, like an official joint. No, show. He, bought, he bought New Japan. Or he bought, he bought New Japan. Bought New Japan. Bought yeah, New Japan. I thought either he, Japan, yeah. he bought another promotion or there's some kind of official agreement with another promotion like that. Um, I was thinking, it, would it be like a network, like an AEW streaming service? Ooh, that'd be very interesting. Some kind of service like that was a thought. Maybe bought the rights to the term Battle Royal that they're <laughs> going for it. <laughs> It uh, could be that. Could be, I don't know, European tour or something. I don't know. Yeah, European. I actually, yeah, that that didn't even occur to me. That would, yeah, a European tour would make a lot of sense. Something um, like that. Uh, that would be very interesting. co-branded tour with New Japan or with yeah. Royal Quest. Um, I did uh, one thing. I I don't think this is it because I I don't think it's something they'd advertise. But like I want like a date for the video game might be interesting. Um, I don't think they'd advertise that as a big announcement ahead of time. No. No. But it is one of those things that, like, Tony Khan has personally invested a lot of money in outside of AEW. So he probably wants it to be a big success. Mm. Uh, but yeah, very interesting. We will uh, we will see. We'll tune in next week. Uh, last item here on the run sheet was that it was reported this week that Vincent Kennedy <laughs> McMahon is allegedly going to be having a match at WrestleMania. Against Pat McAfee, um, which I don't even understand how you would get there, but I guess it doesn't matter. Um, and I don't really know what to make of that, other than it's very funny. And Vince wasn't very good 20 years ago, so I don't know why he would be any good now. Surely it can't be true. He would turn to dust. Vince is the same age now as Mae Young was when she was being put through tables by the Dudleys. And Jim Ross going, she's too fucking old. She's the old woman. So. They they have to have a McMahon on the show. That's the problem. And Shane's gone. That has to be. I saw someone earlier today say they must have been planning to do Shane uh, there with McAfee or something. And then realized when he was gone, (laughs) you know, we have to just slot in a McMahon. Someone went to Vince, what about Triple H? And he went, oh, Jesus, I'll do it myself. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H shows up in his gear and he says, I heard there was an opening for McAfee. You're damn right, pal, and we filled it. You can go back to whatever it is you do now. Crochet at home. Wrestling Vince, mean, that is the main effect. I, <laughs> God damn, pal, don't you, have, don't you have AEW to be losing to? Get out of here. I mean, part of me wants to see it. I want to see how yeeted McMahon. Like, you're talking about um, fucking Buddy Matthews pecs. Wait till you see Vince at WrestleMania. Diddy's oh, out to no. fucking out to here. You know what I want? I want them to say, back if he, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me, brother. Let's, <laughs> let's have Vince wrestle Goldberg. And just he would he would look like he would look like uh, when Mr. Burns wasn't fully defrosted and his, he, he couldn't feel anything below his cummerbund. Um, I would love that. I would love that. Oh, it would be great. What a way to go. Maybe we'll, to go. we'll finally get the Vince Austin WrestleMania match that we never got. 
Oh, yeah. The 60-year-old Austin and then 80-year-old Oh, my God. This WrestleMania is going to be so old. It's going to be so fucking old. Like, like, I mean, at least if Vince is getting beat up, he can get on the phone. Give give his, his 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 young mate Mark Calloway a call, and you know he's backstage in his gear, ready to come out. <laughs> they need they need Lashley to come back and bring the age down, and he's fifty. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Oh, also, god. Lashley, like weird thing about so Lashley is out injured at the moment. Yeah, as we said. Uh, but they're doing a house show in MSG. No, apparently he's not going to be on it. Apparently. But they've said on Raw he might be. It was very yeah. weird. They were like, he might be on this. <laughs> it was very odd. I don't know if they're... They can wrangle up a mech suit to put him in. By yeah, then. I don't know. What an odd, what an odd thing. I mean, WrestleMania sounds absolutely dreadful this year. Speaking of, that might not be a bad idea for Vince. Put him in some kind of, like, Krang from the Ninja Turtles human body <laughs> machine. Oh. God, just a little head poking out the middle. Mecha, Mecha Hitler. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Pat McFuck. Like crying. Um, Get the turtles. Um, God, that's going to be something. Yeah. 76 year old Vince. What, like, what's he going to look like? Is he going to come out in fucking a giant Gonzalez style muscle suit or something. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, he always would get absolutely preposterously gassed up for Mania, but I don't think he'll be able to do that. He's going to come out in like, just like a baggy, like sting, like in a shirt. You know what I mean? Just, just, oh, he can't though. Vince can't do that. Well, he, well, he, he at least have the guns out. That's what they do. They, they go to jab the steroids into him. The needle would poke out the other side of his arm. Also like Mr. Burns. Think of every bad Mr. Burns joke over the years. That, that's Vince in real life. <laughs> what was Vince's last match he had? It wasn't the Bret Hart match, was Punk, it? Was it? Was that after or before? That Punk was after Bret. Okay. Bret was 2010, which was absolutely horrible. Punk was also pretty bad, but it, you know, uh, better. Uh, was that really his last one? I think I'm it was. Look up, I'm looking up Vince McMahon match. Because I remember, like at the time, it was even being reported that, like, when he did the Punk match, he was like, "That was really against doctor's orders," because he was really told he wasn't supposed to be doing any more. That punks. was a decade ago. That was a decade ago. That was literally ten years ago. Um, oh my god! It lists here the Bret Hart matches. It doesn't list a Punk match. Oh, was that unless was that some unsanctioned thing? A lights out match. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It was definitely the the punk one was definitely after because it was like bald headed heel punk. Yeah, um, that's true. Twenty thirteen ish something. Yeah, he did the water maneuver, screamed in his face. It was funny. Um, <laughs> so yeah, on top of all the other reasons he shouldn't wrestle, ring rust is another one. Um, uh, I mean, Vince at this stage probably has got actual rust on him. Means. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. WrestleMania, everyone. Two nights this year. Uh, they confirmed Rousey and Charlotte is main eventing one night each. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely. Uh, I'm not taking time off for WrestleMania no. this year. I don't. I'm, uh, I'm just watching Mc- Mr. McMahon versus CM Punk on, on YouTube. All right. Uh, October the 8th, 2012. And yeah. um, okay, I forgot Ryback comes out at the end. <laughs> and he's currently he's currently doing the shitty pants shuffle 
Ah, lovely. Let's see it. And he's going to drop CM Punk, but Punk rolled. Yeah, Punk escaped from it. Oh, God. Oh, what an era. What an era. The shitty man shuffle. I miss when Ryback was around and he was a recurring character on this podcast. Oh, what an era. That's a bizarre era that surely someone will have to go back and do a retrospective of. The Ryback era. That was probably that was probably in the the build up to the infamous pay per view that did surprisingly good business, where they they beat the Ryback and ended his streak. And Hell in a Cell, it was, yeah, yeah. CM Punk against Ryback, Hell in a Cell. That was a, yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyway, with that little That's bit it. of nostalgia, we'll wrap it up there, folks. We'll be back next week, just the boys next week, uh, chatting about the final build for Revolution. Revolution's a Sunday again, Mister Khan. What are you doing to us here? Come on now. Nobody likes that. Uh, he's, that's also double, uh, double or nothing as well. Also a Sunday. Um, not loving that. So uh, the lads will be back to do a little preview, and then I guess we'll do a review uh, the following week. Uh, the three yeah, of us here. Um, so yeah. Um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Uh, Chairshoppodcast.com If you want to pop us an email, a question, some feedback, uh, a query, a quiz. Obviously, Nathan has been sending us quizzes, which have been very entertaining. If anyone would like to send us anything at all along those lines, chairshoppodcast.com. We did. We had Nathan's quiz, and didn't we have someone doing quizzes before? Yes, we've had a couple. We've had people. We've had. We've had people popping quizzes into us here or there over the past. Uh, Scott's done twenty questions multiple times. Uh, yeah. Uh, pick oh, one. Twenty questions. We need to do twenty questions again. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Send us quizzes, people. It doesn't have to be as much effort as Nathan has put in. Um, twenty questions. We'll do twenty questions if someone has some uh, wrestling movie tv whatever we'll do it um yeah so uh thank you very much for listening everyone we will talk to you all again very very soon it's goodbye from me barry it's goodbye from joe goodbye and it's goodbye from paul goodbye